I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Shank To my right is... Colin Heron. And returning our special fourth guest, our social media PR guru... He puts the E... Oh, fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> he puts the EO in SEO. It is, of course, Geo. Yay! Hello, folks. Hello, Gary Owen. Our... I was quite proud of that joke. I never got the reaction. Yeah. I forgot to say the EO and Geo, and then you went from actual job description, so that got a bit complicated. <laughs> seconds. Uh, but then this could turn on the but a contractual wrangle, like if we're calling him a CEO. Where's the paperwork here? Like? SEO. SEO? If he's a CEO? I thought no. that was a bit controversial. Yeah. Well, we all know that, of course, I am yeah. the CEO. Or if it, was, if it was pure air, so we'd be like, fucking... SEO, fucking GEO, more like fucking... Too quick, boys, too quick. Cassio Gallagher. They call them the English, like... Fucking Tamagotchi Gallagher, just... Marty Tamagotchi. Mickey. Yo. After 30 deep, depressing days... That month of September has blasted by, and you're now a free man again and can drink alcohol. Have you had a drop? No, it's, that's what I was going to say. It's actually 32 days because I haven't drank. Ooh, <laughs> psychopath. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, we're in the pause like, man. Fucking right, hey. How much did you raise so far? Um, it's We raised £212.36. Jesus Christ. Sorry, 36p? I know because it must so, be gifted. I no, no, so, stingy. no, somebody uh, thirty-six p was for me. Uh, euros, so it got converted. Delight, and you don't have twenty-four p, don't have twelve. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, though, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was happy we got over two hundred. That's incredible. Sure. And what was the aim originally? One hundred fifty. One hundred fifty was my goal. You're a better man than me because yeah. I couldn't last three days. <laughs> did you? Uh, did man. you even give your? Did you give yourself wee patties down the middle? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I definitely be giving myself uh, wee patties <laughs> day like wee <laughs> 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 patties day to herons every Saturday just fucking out even fucking Catholics knew they couldn't fucking make it even, even fucking Jesus knew that's why three patties day in the middle just the unwritten rules uh, hey who got danger bottle this week danger bottle ah yes <laughs> no I'm very, very excited about this Danger Bottle because you've literally been talking about it for a fortnight. <laughs> you've been saying that you've been really looking forward to this Danger Bottle. It's going to yeah. be this, it's going to be that. He didn't give me the gist of what it was going to be, so you better not let me down here, Mick. 
Uh, check the top. Oh, I love it when you do this. Like, <laughs> gets me so excited. Just, just before you reveal it, this danger ball was actually a suggestion from a listener and friend of the podcast, Cheryl Dean. Oh, okay. Oh, I think so, I might. Oh, you just spoiled a surprise, and I know, I know, I know. Else. Open it. <laughs> I'm still excited. The danger ball tonight is fireball. Oh my! Is that the stuff they in America? The cinnamon stuff. Show, yeah. Show such oh, shit. Yeah, goddamn right it is. And better than that, it's two of my favourite things, cinnamon and whiskey. Here, let, let me read the back of it. Go for it. It's your danger ball. You, you deserved it. You've you earned it. <laughs> this is possibly the best back of a bottle you've ever read. Ignite the night. <laughs> Good start. What, what have you, what have you here? <laughs> Sorry. What you have here is a smooth liqueur with whiskey and a fiery kick of red hot cinnamon. It tastes like heaven, burns like hell. <laughs> what happens next is up to you. Ooh, <laughs> Randy. I, I don't quite know what it's going for there. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're trying to promote. Right. What happens next is up to you. Go out and give a boy a kick and go out and rob a bank. You know what I mean? Or just have a lovely night. Yeah. Or just sit in a tent with your friends. Can you wake up with a fucking half an, uh, eight, half an ear and a wing. Is there units on this? Um... Well, the whole bottle's like 17. It's a very... It's, a, it's, thir- it's 33, 33%. It's Canadian? Oh, yes. I it was made in the US of A. Ellen Page. Product of Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's thir- 33%. <laughs> it was 11 pounds, but fuck you. <laughs> I, you know what? I said to you last week, because you went 30 days and 30 nights without having a drink, it could be whatever price you wanted. It's a very fetching bottle as well, isn't, isn't it? it? I know, I might keep it. It looks like a fancy drink. Just like a candle, not like. Sure, Chancoy, sure, set there. Chancoy, there's uh, shot glasses in your second oh! drink. Oh! oh you deep. have thought of everything, Michael. So Dole out some shot glasses. Who wants a green one and who wants an orange one? I want an orange one. I want both. <laughs> <laughs> right, you want an orange oh. one, do you say? Yeah. Wouldn't you know? Hey, Art. <laughs> what do you want, a green or an orange? A green one. A green one? <laughs> yes. I don't like. Don't even ask, just give me the right one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I pour these? Do I have the honor? Yeah. Okay, look. Oh, by the way, it is, uh, what, 30? 33%. 33%. Hold, hold on, that bottle, Mike. That's a, that'd be a fucking cracking prop bottle. Ah, uh, it's a nice yeah. one, hey? Really is. Like, Where did you buy it? Tesco. Who <laughs> shapes? Who, actually, who shapes bottles like that anymore? That's an old fucking. What they call a bomb, a fucking that's not a bomb bottle. Aye, uh, I mean, <laughs> fucking. We should be sitting on side of one People say, "Give me a bottle of liquor." That's what it fucking looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm still pouring these. I'm doing it with the utmost care because it was eleven pound. I'm not used to handling this sort of price of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like weapon. It's like weapons grade plutonium when he's fucking pouring. It's like a uh, WMD there. Oh, it smells proper like oh, red hot fireballs. I do love cinnamon. Right. Okay. They make these 30 days in the wilderness. Why not cheers in case we just fuck it all over this table? Nah, we'll do a cheers. Well, uh, not just, just a salute. I have we chubby hands, though, you see. Michael, well done, sir. You're a better man than I. Well done, sir. Down the hatch. Prost. Cheers. Skull. Slancha. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's mighty fine. Just a... Just a, oh, no, it's an after Get you right there. Get you right there. It's just it a, does, it? <laughs> there's just a right burn off that. Any more burn that'd be un- unpleasing. Hey, you know, you know what sounds really unpleasing? That's fucking dangerous there, What? Hey? What I have is my danger A bottle. second danger bottle? Yeah. Shall I play the theme again? No. Nah. <laughs> right, so can I open it? Why is it always we, me? We should write a theme for the sequel. <laughs> danger bottle too. Hey, this time danger it's bottle. personal. Hey. This time it's terrible. Danger bottle with <laughs> vengeance or something? Uh, I bought this in uh, Sainsbury's. Was reduced from five pound to four pound fifty. So well wrapped. 
It's in a plastic bag. Mm. <laughs> I was wrapped. I'm a disaster here. You, uh, how can you not open a bag? <laughs> I don't know. I think that fireball's getting me quick. <laughs> Continue with your description. Uh, well, it's up to you. Just take it out and have a look. The second Just danger the label of the first. evening is... Read the label. Chocolate drop. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wait until you read it, it sounds Oh fantastic. no. It sounds like you've the fucking scoots to it. See any time you see on like a bottle of any sort of liquor, imaginative, you just know that it's a bad idea, but they ran with it. <laughs> so it's definitely <laughs> fucking pure blackjacks or something. <laughs> what there? An imaginative blend of red British wine chocolate flavours. Oh my word. It's gonna be like duffing up. Fucking toffee crisp and fuck. Can I? I'll read the back lift for you. Yeah, you're gonna hit. I seen this today and I was like, this has to happen. So, uh, chocolate drop is especially crafted for those who adore chocolate. Oh. A smooth, mellow red British wine blended with rich dark chocolate flavouring. Oh. Has aromas of dark chocolate and black cherry with notes of mocha and vanilla. Oh. Richly sweet oh. with a. L- is that luscious? Yes, luscious chocolate character, which is complemented by black fruit flavours for freshness and balance. Delicious by itself and. Of course, with any kind of chocolate, or even try with a hearty casserole. <laughs> it is a hearty casserole. It's obviously imagine chocolate like a wine steak. bottle size. Imagine fried steak in it. Nine units per bottle, and it's British wine made with imported grape juice. <laughs> imagine, right? It's just try that with chocolate. Imagine your life was just drinking warm chocolate drop uh, and eating a toffee crisp in your house yourself. <laughs> Heron, do you want to start? Since you have a do you have a cold? So, yeah. Shan, do you want to start there? Uh, oh, see, yes. Seeing as you don't have a cold, um, uh, give me someone this wee green chocolate. <laughs> what you mean, like when you go to the supermarket and they get free samples? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, but it smells like a farm shop. I don't know how, but it does. It smells like a cabbage in my granny's that's went off. I e- either somebody farted in this tent or it's that wine. <laughs> you know, it's not as bad as what I imagine. What? It's not as bad. We say, we say that about almost every danger bottle. We're <laughs> fucking alcoholics. Like. <laughs> Not as bad as you fuck, are you? You got drunk, you got to get used to it. You can get used to it, it kind of tastes like Christmas. Trying a bit away from that. Christmas. That's what it'll do me. I'll do me full pink glass. Just in case. That'll do me, another bottle just. That is not what I expected. That's not bad. That's a terrible aftertaste, though. Nah, it's not good. It tastes like that cabbage I was talking about. It does kind of smell ish chocolatey. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, but drink it. What do you think, Michael? Jeez, you cook a serious dessert bread, fucking thing. <laughs> you get like fucking, right. you get poach up hair in that there, be fucking lovely. A poach up hair in it? I, 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 I feel, I feel like I'm just eating like a shite bar of Bourneville. Yeah, I know. <laughs> fucking bang on the money, actually. I, I, probably, I probably won't drink any more of it, but I think it's grand. <laughs> I, I could see I getting very old very quick, that drink. Uh, it's like, it's one of ones you drink at Christmas for a wee part. Like, oh, look at us, oh, it's all festive. And then you just forget about it for about six yeah. months. I'm fine it in June you're like oh fuck that I'm fucking that yeah. like, that's, that's definitely like, a wee box it's like someone's boiled Baileys aye <laughs> not, not as good <laughs> as your that is not a good description not as good as it's your like Bourneville it's like boiled Baileys mixed with a bottle of wine sort of isn't it? not as good as your Bourneville analogy I think you peaked with that like aye. Michael Bresson another shot of Fireball <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you're going to nail it at the <laughs> actually no I guess I'll just no, I'll have manners like right Mickey Yo. me to think swiftly on I'm taking over your role here yes. what do we watch this week Heron. Bar London. Oh, yeah. For the first time. Uh, I thought you were going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Uh, no, we got a. Hi, Bar London. Definitely not what I was expecting in a, in a really good way. I mean, look, it's kind of one of these things, not what I was expecting, but why would I not expect to be good yeah. if it's fucking. 
Outstanding cubes, like oh. Who's gave me my recommendation this week? Uh, stole my thunder, baby. Uh, well, no, I mean, it, well, it's, it's. I just watched it. I, I might say it's shit, so you can recommend it. Do I'm not going to say it's shit, don't know. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but I know. I mean, Ryan O'Neill. Like I've only seen him in like Love Story or something. Whatever happened to Ryan O'Neill? <laughs> just eat puck shit films. <laughs> he had a bad agent. Yeah, <laughs> Much as the tale of many good actors. Uh, and Bruce Willis. Yeah. And uh, what do you call it? Uh, no, but it. Uh, I know it started off and all. Like it, sometimes it can be slow and all because it's it's quite episodic. But I, I was definitely set. I really it, I picked the right time to watch. I put it that way. But uh, the cinematography actually one of the most uniquely stunning looking films I've ever seen. Just the static wides from like really mm. wide. They just but, look at these kind of pivotal scenes, but don't actually zoom in or move the camera. Aye, aye, they're kind of. I mean, aye, they're just very big, confident wides where where everything. See, especially in this film, uh, Kubrick. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of moves he just places everything in the scene and that's his shot like if it sounds too far away he doesn't move towards it he, he places it closer to the camera it's that famous Kubrick oh sorry it's that famous Kubrick trait though of uh, just trying to get symmetry within the frame and stuff and I mean like, uh, I think that's the first film of his that it really shines through uh, uh, you're right as well about the confidence in the whites because I mean even back in Kubrick fair enough uh, he made Doctor Strangelove and he made Lolita but uh, he wasn't the name that he is now but and it was, uh, it was a ballsy decision for a director at that mm. stage of his career but as well as that uh, the cinematography style was based on paintings of the period and actually I was looking at it it, it looks like they used matte paintings or, or they used matte versions of paintings or photographs overlaid so literally the only thing moving in the frame is the actors the rest of it is like if they're moving within a painting it's really it's really weird like yeah. I mean even you, you know the one's going but the rest of it's flat it's, it's kind of it's an odd effect but, but it's, it's very eye-catching because I remember the first time I watched it just it's something that always sticks you like the saturation of the colours and mm-hmm. they look like old every frame looks like an old Rembrandt or something like that they didn't use know? any light on it as well Aye. no lights were used it was all natural light and uh, the dark scenes were lit by candlelight uh, he, he got NASA to build on the lenses for the cameras. That's because that uh, we French have built that when he faked the moon lens. Conspiracy theory. But I mean, like you can sit here all day and talk about how Kubrick was a visionary in so many ways, but especially mm. like an, an aesthetic and a technical wizard. Aye. That's I don't think it's overlooked. But even in in films like Barry London, Barry London's remembered for being like this really sprawling epic, and it's remembered for that sort of painting or. or well, I suppose artistic looking at framing and, and, and blocking that he's got in there, but then obviously that the technical innovation he was bringing in there at that time uh, as well is incredible. And it's just, I, I think he's, he's one of the only, he, he still he still is, like, I mean, he's one of the only directors, like, that you sit and watch and every single element of it's fucking confident, yeah, confident like, I mean, Scorsese's probably one of the only other one, one you know, where, you know, and it's just, it's... He's a he's a more of an, like a novelistic director. Scorsese's definitely a filmmaker, and it's it's very filmic. But Kubrick just even from what, I mean that's an adaptation of a novel, and uh, he does the chapter thing, and then you know Tarantino obviously went on to the chapter thing too. But Tarantino's more of a filmmaker than a you know uh, whatever. But um, what I would say is if you want a big oil sprawling epic that's it, that goes in a lots of unexpected ways is politically uh quite sound as well and it, and it constantly it's it's uh constantly criticizing the politics of the time and, and stuff and yeah. it's beautiful looking the acting's good the story it's a, it's a nice wee sort of 
what would you say? It's like an, a, an Odyssey kind of tale, like an Everyman yeah, kind of tale. Odyssey because I mean, like at the start, Brian Lutton is a complete nobody, and then uh, what is it? He falls under like this uh, 18th century's like big landlord's daughter's wealth because he marries her, and he gets, and then the, well, it's not really a spoiler because it happens pretty early on. The daughter dies or something like that, and he is just left with this fucking massive uh, amount of wealth. Then well, it, star- uh, it starts, starts off that he it. he fell in love with a girl, and he ended up. Uh, doing a duel with a, a British captain this happens dead early in the film anybody that's always been a, a Kubrick fan Barry London always seems to be the last one they watch it's a forgotten one that or Lolita for me are the two forgotten uh, ones yeah, and right. it's weird because of the two films that what's we the, the horse one the killing they get so good yeah, but that's fucking class yeah that's so good I mean that it's but so that tight as well it's like it's not even an hour and a half, is it? It's no, like I think it's, it's, it's an hour and 27 minutes or something it's like that. And a night, and a night. And it's one of the best Fall in the Wars, you'll see. And it's one of the best Fall in the Wars for, I mean, like, obviously, a, a big staple of Fall in the Wars portraying paranoia. And that has it in fucking spades. Because it's all these men, and they really are so nervous about doing this job. And then when the job actually goes and it doesn't go off without a hitch, I'll not spoil it for anybody. But it just how claustrophobic it gets towards the end, ah, it's phenomenal. Very um, no, it's rap on Barry London. I uh, just if if you like your epics and you like, um, uh, don't be turned off by uh, what people say that he has a strange voice or something. I guess here for some reason that that was one of the biggest things about about the film for him. Um, I I just didn't find that a fucking whatever I at all. The, the major criticism, just very quickly they, they wrap this up about Kubrick is that and actually recently Christopher Nolan's got the same criticism. Not that I'm comparing those two as directors whatsoever, but. Kubrick always got this huge criticism of being cold, like emotionally cold, and yeah. he has no warmth in his films, uh-huh. and it's just all about technique and style, and the characters in the story, although good, are kind of secondary, and he doesn't really nurture them as much, which I don't agree with, because I think that Jack Torrance is one of the best developed characters. It's just the stories that he tells are very grim and very bleak, and the characters <coughs> obviously reflect that. But I, th- I, mean, I, I, I think they, I, exactly, I mean, that, that's, a, that's people say that, that's a common misconception, but I, I think he's actually even more in touch with fucking conscious yeah. and he's even more compassionate he's more if, if a he goes fucking seriously out of his way to get the point of this fucking character across in order to say something surely that's fucking far better exactly. than just going I, oh your characters don't cry or laugh that much fuck off exactly that's why I think Kubrick's one of the <laughs> I think that's why Kubrick's one of the best realists that there is because I think in a lot of cinema goers or, or film watchers even if they're watching like a kind of grim narrative, they always expect to be at least spoon-fed a wee bit of levity mm. or, or a slight bit of warmth or someone that makes them feel a wee bit more comfortable, right. but Kubrick never gave that. He just kind of showed it as is. Kubrick didn't give a fuck. He didn't give a fuck, exactly. The present bastard. Gio. Hello. What, what did you watch this week? <laughs> well... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see this, but Michael Breslin, I think because his talents <coughs> has been lowered over the past 30 days, is looking lovingly into Joe's eyes, and they're about <laughs> 10 centimetres away from each other, fist to face. You ever sharing a microphone? Oh, yes. Uh, hey, baby. <laughs> Michael's literally The week before, I watched about, I could say about 10 films for that oh. time day, but... Go on, just name one of them. <laughs> right. Uh, last Sunday, this is always a good sign. It was a blisteringly hot day in Glasgow. Oh, yes. Like, really nice. One of the so two of course, a year. I, so, of course, I decided to go to the local art cinema and watch an Italian documentary about horse racing. Tough bastard. Uh, I went and seen Palio. Have you heard about this? No. That's probably one of the poshest things I've ever heard. But continue, sorry. The people who made Senna and Amy, it's like that. those people who made those films. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. But this one's a first-time director. Her name is uh, Cosima Spender. I think it's a woman. I'm guessing Cosima's a woman's name. Yeah, okay. 
If it's not, I apologize. Uh, it's my dad's name. Because she has love. That's <laughs> your dad's name. Palio is. I'm going to try and break it down for you. Like, there's so, like basically this is a kind of film where there's so many layers. It's a documentary where so many layers. Like they actually explain the thing would take me about three pages of material and like across the table. Like how do they sit right now? It'd be a separate podcast in itself. <coughs> Every summer in a town called Siena in Turin in Italy, oh, sorry in Tuscany, in Italy, uh, there was a horse race called the Palio. It happens twice a year. It happens on May and August. Now, it's basically, if you think the Grand National is cruel to animals, <laughs> my God, you haven't seen the Palio. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sorry, I just spat. Uh, it caught me by surprise. I apologize right there. This, I'll wipe the mic. This is a... <laughs> I'm just spat my drunk everywhere. I apologize. I never Liter- do that. Literally Listen. everywhere. Oh <laughs> Listen, oh I'm sorry. I got it on your heart attack. It's all over my text as well. Uh, it wasn't so... even the funniest thing it was. Sis. I don't know. He just... For whatever reason, I just imagined all these horses getting battered. Well, as as <laughs> <laughs> having got them a great point. So, uh, this town square twice a year has this horse race called a pie okay and 10 horses take part and what happens is uh, they're sort of like yes 10 horses out of 17 so this city Siena has 17 districts right so 17 neighbourhoods and each one is this like the hunger games for horses (laughs) sounds like it's not Uh, each district has its own sort of it has its own representation right and it's so the town has a race it's happened since the 1400s and it's sort of a lottery and what happens is uh, each district is assigned a horse <laughs> right it sounds stupid but the horse belongs to a jockey right so example is a jockey a, basically the jockeys train all year long like, it's, please it's not, tell me one of the horses called Camelot no they all have mad names like uh, unicorn Anderson, goose things like that right Chill so what happens is a, a, a very basic way to burn it down is you have 17 districts 10 qualify from trials for the actual race okay for the Hunger Games yes <laughs> The art film we've seen this week was a, wee, a very, very small release called The Martian. Don't know if you heard about it. Ah, uh, no, no. That's my man, your man Tony's brother, isn't it? Really, isn't it? I really, I like really. It's only 77. Apparently, it's surprisingly good. So you say surprisingly good, I say it's just surprising. I didn't know anything about this at all, like, I didn't read the book. I fought going in. Matt Damon, in space, Ridley Scott directing. This has been the most serious film of the year. Yeah. It's a comedy. I've never seen Ridley what? Scott do a comedy. No, he's never. He never There's going to be some listeners now who've seen it and will be shouting. shouting. I'm being like, a good year has comedic elements. It's, 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 it's light, comedic, but, it's but it's not. It's light, but it's no, no, no. Exactly. This is full on like comedic scenes. But this is bizarre because seeing the promotional material for The Martian, I, it looks serious. I would assume that it, it looks was like the a same fucking sequel to Interstellar. Or something. I was going to say it, exactly. It looked in the same vein as Prometheus or Interstellar or something like do, that. Do you know how you know no, it's well, like? Well, no, but like there were some bits in the trailer like. It had a bit of levity, like Matt Damon says, like, oh, I'm going to science the shit out of it, like. Which I thought. By the way, fun. doesn't didn't get a laugh. No, got a laugh at me. Not in the movie. Uh, he says the <laughs> f word twice, <laughs> which I, th- I don't know if it's the first time at twelve a has I been allowed to say the f word twice. What? Why? One is he's traditionally you're only allowed one. Like basically, I always thought right. you were allowed two. Now one, two f bombs no, on twelve a. Uh, no, just one. F-bomb. Basically, how do I put it? Do you get? Are you allowed tut on a twelve a? Actually, yeah. that's an orhing, apparently. Well, Unless it's a actually, British no, This is spoilers. Because <laughs> 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 Titanic was 12, and then there's tut on that. Uh, there's tut all over Titanic. Ah, oh, tut's everywhere. I'll give you... Well, there's, on the boat nevering. Titanic. I can give you, like, two spoilers for it. There aren't spoilers. Obviously, you all know from the trailer that adds that he's left to die on Mars. Yeah. Like, I think he's dead, but he's not. Why is he? The first F word comes when 
he's performing surgery himself to remove like an antennae that, that's why he, people think he's dead like an antennae strikes him whereas like his, his walkie talkie <laughs> no he's like he's walkie talkie like his nothing like checking his pulse and all yeah. like that that's that, that's how you get stranded like the thing oh, pierces that him breaks. Uh, that breaks like, so he's dead break. right yeah. so whenever he's performing surgery on himself to remove it he says the F word and then I read on IMDb today that or sorry I read, read on Reddit today by, by the way Joe, we're not rated 12A <laughs> you can't swear if you you're gonna say whatever when, you when does he say fuck anyway to you <laughs> he's doing surgery and he does it a second time when he it's one of the only times in the film where he, he sort of he the character realises that he's alone on Mars Mike Watney I believe yes so like he says the effort but like it cost <laughs> it but like, call it, it cost him like an outside shot of him inside sort of the rover where he's banging the roof being like fuck 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 but he just is lip reading yeah. and in the booby thing it's called boobies. Apparently in the book there's a scene where like when he first gets in contact through chat with NASA, like he can chat to them. He asks them what they were. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like he says the F word or whatever in the chat and then it's like, oh, you can say that and then it shows you, it doesn't show you but you see a lot of people at NASA in the control room going, oh, that's a comic, comedic laugh but I read today online and like the thing that he's doing is like, oh, we hear some boobies and he does like open bracket, zero, close bracket and like that kind of stuff. You think they would have sent them up a couple of jazz mags, like you know what I mean? But the, so there's, there's a couple of jokes. things. There's a couple of things that does. Like it's the worst thing. I said I put. A, I said on Facebook like hey, it's all right. I, that's all, it's just alright it's like people pe- it's like, like it's like that TV trope thing uh, okay so it's average it's like no it's not it's average it's, it's, it's alright well that's average no 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 it's alright <laughs> it's alright do you think alright it, a, it a could be just standard. one here's of the, here's the best way to put it I'll walk, walking home turn around, <coughs> turn around my girlfriend like, <coughs> did you enjoy it aye would you watch it again well no I've seen it aye you know what the weird thing is as well about you he has the most ridiculously ridiculously high standard there is where I would say out of 20 <laughs> films Gio watches he might like uh-huh. Possibly one of them. But I mean, so if you I think the all right. it's it's another form of guilty of Miss Margaret. And I would say no, you're from what you're, you know, like there's things like this. The good things slash bad things. It's two hours twenty minutes, which is really long. It doesn't feel like it though. No, that's the thing. It doesn't feel like it. It's, it's like you've never seen this film. It's <laughs> quite, no, it is quite good at like pacing. It's considering that a thing involves five hundred and thirty days of space travel to get to this guy on Mars. Yeah, like spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, the the thing that recalled me was remember in the Dark Knight when Dark Knight Rises sorry when Bane does that bomb yeah and it goes I'm going to call a bomb now and he knocks it on you're going to be like got like an hour countdown and it says three months yeah and that's really like that just destroys the film here when it comes to saying destroys like, the film because there's no stakes like, ah, there's no stakes we've had two you see in this one where they turn around them or like he just gave enough time for Batman to recover <laughs> but see in this one where they go like this is going to, this is going to take us four hundred days. It, it actually works in this. Like, that's the, that's the fantastic thing, like, they've done with the edit in this film. Where, like, I know the time doesn't matter, but when it happens, it happens. Like, right. it's, it's yeah. so good. So would you say give it a watch then? I could say, I say go to cinema and see it. I would say after that, you don't need to see it again. Bang! Mega Breslin, what have you watched this week? Uh, I watched Thor The Dark World, because it's come on Netflix. I watched that. Fucked. One night, and I can't remember. <laughs> like, I mean, I... <laughs> I can't remember anything about. It. I remember like Loki dying, but not dying or something like that. Aye, but he, he, he does that a couple of times on there. Ah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a it's a classic Marvel thing of they kill people and then instantly bring them back. It's on Loki's luck, or like you know when he's been known for it. He's, yeah, he did it in the first one, done in the second one, probably did it in the third one. <laughs> I t- just gone gone clear, Sean, up for me because I couldn't be arsed trying to figure out and watch Agents of Shield and all those blogs. 
Is Coulson dead or not? Uh, right. It's not a spoiler, don't worry, you can say it. It's no, a it's like, are, man. Are, it's beneath I, us. I heard he's alive, like. Coulson's alive in the TV show, but Joss Whedon, after the second Avengers came out, he was in an interview and said to him, Coulson's dead. He Ooh. might be alive in, oh, in the TV show, but I in, it was a... in his... And his, uh, the way uh, he thinks about it, Coulson's dead. So it's Even that, though that really expanded universe thing at all. I will. The, the the way I've kind of seen it is, the TV show takes stuff from the films. Like they'll they'll uh, they'll reference stuff that happens in the films, but the films never reference stuff that happens to the TV show. Okay. So it's kind of like a one way street. Like the TV show okay. relates to the films, but the films don't necessarily relate to the TV right. show. I Thor thought he was. A, no, I thought he was a clone. I thought I no, that's, that's, no, that's the one I hear. No, too, there's yeah. no, there's a thing. Actually, what happens in TV shows? Spoilers for Agents of Shield, the series one. Why would anybody watch? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I've watched it, but uh, kiss in point. No, he's no. They <laughs> they actually they actually have this kind of alien technology that basically rebuilds them and. The whole way through the series is so bad. The whole is way it through the fucking Teradex, whatever the fuck you call it. No, the whole way through the series, <sighs> the Tesseract calm. No, but the whole way through the first series, he says he recuperated in Tahiti, and he always says, "Oh, it's lovely there this time of year." Or something like that. The whole way through the series, and then you find out that the thing that saved his life is called Project Tahiti. And oh. it's but it, but it's but it's actually oh it actually it's so actually like an abbreviation, so it's it's actually words it's, that spell like T T T H off. so oh my god! Right, so throw the dark word in. Only one head. I have nothing else to say. That's that's. Isn't that like Portman in the second one? Yeah, along with the lovely Cat Dennings. And still in Skarsgård, also was he? Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's, like, he's like metal doctor. He's like so yeah. Does Stellan get his groove back? He gets his groove back in the second one. Apparently, he doesn't back. He strips a lot. Yeah, does he? So what? Clearly, he got his groove back in the second one. And what's mad is that Stellan Skarsgård started out in like Danish on the pants, and I'm like real art house shit, like a Dogma '95, like the films like Lars von Trier and Thomas Montavern and. And stuff like that. But it's strange, is it? Because Stellan Skarsgård came from that background, and now he's just kind of seen in Hollywood. He's kind of seen in Hollywood as the go-to odd foreigner. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, like, it's because Dolph Lundgren had that for a long time, and it seems to be Stellan Skarsgård's thing now that he's um, came from like this kind of early intellectual he's sort he's of cinema. Very well respected, though. Oh no, he's still massively yeah. respected. Oh, don't get me wrong. He's, uh, but I, I like that about him. I like the fact that he's one of the best actors at balancing that sort of. Art house, uh, maybe avant-garde, maybe a wee bit more intellectual style of cinema, with the sort of blockbusters like Thor. And I mean, it's like, first of all, uh, he's an actor, so obviously he's going to take what work he can get. He but was, he's still, you can tell, because you, you see a while of, you know, kind of high-regarded actors who maybe go into blockbusters and phone it in. But it always seems like Stellan Skarsgård's giving the best performance he's got on him. He was on the original Insomnia as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. He was in the original Insomnia too. And he was really good in Mamma Mia. And he was pretty good, Mamma Mia. He was to die for, Mamma Mia. I was and he has, he has uh, stacks of wines as well. Does he? Hey, your boy from True Blood and all that. Ah, that, no, that's not his kid. Yeah, it is. Are they related? Hey, they're all Skarsgårds, these. Jesus, uh, what happened to Gene Pool? No, but I, 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 thought we, <laughs> I thought <laughs> we answered much. this in another podcast because I thought they were related. I don't think they I are. Think no, you, no, you, you were on about Peter Sarsgard. Ah, yes. Right. But no, your boy from True Blood, it's, I don't know, Nigel's I, I think I had a, a, a momentary <laughs> drunk dyslexia. <laughs> I know it's not Nigel before anybody cries me. 
Right, so what have I watched this week? I'm going to bang on this very quickly because we've been dwelling on this quite a bit tonight. I watched, uh, I'm trying to think, I watched a bit of it. Grabbers. Have you seen it? No, I've, o- I've always been interested in watching it, but I've never got around it. Watch Grabbers this week because I'm not sure if it's recently been added to Netflix, but I'll stumble no, across it. has been on their ages. has been on their ages. I've been circling for Grabbers. years. I'd heard it. Grabbers. Well. It's an Irish film. Yeah, I heard it a couple of years back because it's an Irish film. Essentially, it's an Irish monster movie. Made in 2012, I cannot for life me remember the director's name. Is it Aliens or Monsters? It's like an alien. It's sort of like an, an insect alien director because Joe was very graciously giving me his phone was John Wright, who, in all fairness, I've never heard of in my life. Uh, He's stars, not wrong. <laughs> stars, stars a couple of local actors. Two rights do make it wrong. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Sorry, it's going to be me all night. Yeah, <laughs> stars a couple of local actors. Uh, Ruth Bradley and I think it's Richard Coyle. Essentially what it is, it's your standard monster movie setup. It's a remote Irish island. It's called Erin Island. All of a sudden, it's kind of like a fishing community. Uh, this alien life form appears and starts essentially killing people. Two Garda, who are the two main characters, have to deal with this problem. But what they find out, and it's sort of like a comedy horror. They, they see the comedy as being, or see the, sorry, they see the horror as being liked. It never takes itself too seriously. Yeah. And the comedy is the main purpose it's of it. It's like a big UFO. It's just our license registration. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that your vehicle? Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a license for that UFO, do you? Do you have a license for the wagon there? Huh? A <laughs> huh? couple of tickets on a spaceship just. But uh, what it is, right, is there's a nice wee plot point halfway through that they find out that the aliens want to suck the blood. They're almost vampiric. They want to suck the blood out of the residents, and that's what gives them power. But then they find out that the aliens don't like it if their blood is diluted with alcohol because it doesn't taste as sweet. So they're a way of repelling this alien life form is they just blocked. get absolutely blocked. blocked. So essentially, Class. it's one of, one of my favorite lines is they're standing outside and they're trying to think of a plan about how to defeat this you know fucking invader, and they're all locking. <laughs> so that's genius. And I, that's what I was saying. Like when the person I was watching that way, I thought, no, if this falls on the any sort of horror movie cliches, or maybe like if somebody's chasing them, they run up the stairs, or they're acting like an idiot, and you're screaming at them, "I'll oh, do this or run here." It can be blamed on the fact that they're blocked. It can be blamed <laughs> on the fact they're pushed. So you can just you get the ultimate hand. Is it wave. good? Do you know what? I was expecting it to be balls because it's low enough budget. It's an Irish, you know, monster film. Cinematography is unbelievable. See the CGA for such a low budget production is so good, and I got praised on that a lot. Some of uh, the aliens and how they're realized are, are really, really good. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's funny enough. It's 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 a it's a bit of a crowd pleaser. It's not scary, but it's not trying to be scary. And um, you know, it's it's supposed to lean more on its comedy. Yeah. And there's a wee bit of a crowbar romance on there, as there always is. But it's handled well enough. Care like I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I thought it was a smart film. Uh, based on that, what time of week do you think it's suitable for? Yes. Film times. Uh, Colum times Heron. of for grabbers. Let's see, grabbers, grabber, grabber. I'd say grabbers is you're about to head out, and you're Ooh. all. We I haven't done that one before. That's a, it's a, a, a bit of a new one. Is a this a, a sacrilegious Friday night's <laughs> recommendation? Slip it in there, a bunch of uh, <laughs> amongst a lot of old safe ones. Very <laughs> pussy. What do you call it? A, I, uh, Aye, so I'd say like uh We're getting here for a taxi kind of phone. Aye. Lando in the Shans just all like a cu- couple hey. of sinister tanisters, you know. Hey, hey. Out for a smoke, out for a ton. Stick grabbers on, stick grabbers on they fuck. 
It's one I want you to go watch, watch our chat, not smoking fags. Eh? Fuck all right. Blast See, yourself I, all links. I thought that's where you would have went with, like a kind of two o'clock in the morning job, kind of. Well, okay, you could definitely do that, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's one of those ones where, you know, if you're going out, you're definitely not going to watch Lethal Weapon because it's <laughs> definitely not really a conversation <laughs> starter. Yeah. I, and, or, and, and it's just because you've seen it, it it's, it's almost two years. I mean, I really, because we watched the guest and that was actually a really proper conversation starter because it was such a unique film before he went out and uh I grabbers just sort of probably have that too, yeah. I mean that as well. It's it's always a danger. See if you're getting ready for going out. It's a very fine art and choosing it's what a very film. subtle art. Big time because usually you'll probably just put a TV show on, which is kind of more disposable. But if you want to put a film on in the background, well, if you're getting ready to go out, it has to be something that's not shite but also not lethal. Because if someone's yeah. absolutely lethal, you'll get too sucked on. Because it can't, it can't be too good when you're talking them balls, like exactly, definitely not. You got them balls in your mouth. <laughs> you got ten balls in your mouth. If you're throwing a couple of cans on and you're watching a film, it's lethal. You're yeah. gonna get sucked on. Because I mean, then I was supposed yeah. to go for a very good friend's birthday, and yeah. Die Hard came on fucking Channel yeah. Four about half night at night. You can't be watching Do- Doctor Fucking I uh, know Chivago when you're fucking putting top in your armpits. Like <laughs> I mean, it's just not, it's not gonna happen. Like, Okay, and before we go into the news, another shot of this fireball. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I know that fireball. That 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 what we watched went on way too long. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. It's, it's my notes. <laughs> oh, oh, almost as long as Barry London. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that long. It's about two or two and a half hours. Fire bees, fire bees, fire bees, fire bees, fire bees. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Getting kicked out of the house tomorrow. Getting fucked out. Oh, that's lovely. Ah, just, uh, Is that afterburn? Jesus. Somebody give me some Factor 50. Going down south with the top down, motherfucker. Tastes like heaven. (laughs) Tastes like heaven. Burns like hell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very nice. Very nice, Michael. What happens next is up to you, Vernon. (laughs) (laughs) I know. What does that mean? <laughs> I know. What happens next, that guy? What happens next is up to you, so essentially yeah. get arrested, don't get arrested. I'm, I'm essentially no, like I, a fucking, what do you call it? Like Aaron, a, what? Do you know what happens next? What? Neuros. Alright, then okay. Uh, okay, uh, Universal uh, has taken Pacific Rim 2 off its release schedule, and it has been indefinitely delayed. It's never going to happen, boys. Strange one, because when Pacific Rim came out, uh, nobody really talked about it, and then from what I remember, it made a fucking serious bit of box service. No, 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 it no. doesn't. No. It, it, it slowly climbed to be profitable. It's it's <sighs> one of ones where, like, when it got released in China, and uh, kind of uh, all It kind of kicked ass in China, didn't it, though? I know. It, uh, I think it made a lot of money in China. It, I it, think... Uh, it 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 made four hundred eleven million, which I think kind of just made it profitable. Broke even because I think it was like a two hundred something um, million Dollar picture, million. and then whatever they took off the top. Of Obviously, okay. as well, I think that the smart thing there, no doubt, uh, the distributor who released that probably marketed like. Fuck in like uh, well, just Asia in general uh, because uh, obviously it's Geiju culture and Geiju yep. culture is Keiju. Keiju, sorry, Keiju. Keiju culture is obviously gigantic and especially Japan. Like, so I can see it left a lot of money there. But I mean, obviously, if it made four hundred eleven million, that's no failure by you know any realms of imagination. Fair enough, they might expect that they make more, but I mean, I, I don't see why because there's films that have started franchises that have made less and the, the sequels have rolled out straight away, so I'm surprised yeah. that they're kind Jack of Jack Reacher, good example. Yeah, your fucking transporters of the world. 
Yeah, precisely. So I'm very surprised that they are being mm. quite tentative. We, is there any reasons why? Or? Well, you see, it's it's legendary. It made the picture, and then it was universal. It distributed it. But uh, legendary also did the recent Godzilla film with yeah. uh, WB Warner Brothers. Okay, well, this puts it in the context of what. Well, no, on. but there there's recently been a deal where uh, Universal was actually developing a film with Legendary. Uh, called Kong Skull Island as nearly like a prequel to King Kong was just all about Skull Island basically. That is a huge. Is it going to be really? sorry? Is it going to be completely separated from the Peter Jackson stuff? Yes, like completely. Right. Yeah. Okay. But uh, there was recently a deal made where Universal gave the rights to Kong Skull Island to WB. Right. So now they're talking about that there's going to be a Godzilla King Kong crossover. Oh. That's what. That's why they. Ga- that's why they gave the rights to Warner mm. Brothers. Mafra wouldn't sign the contract. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see, this is the thing, there's kind of speculation. Are, are Universal a bit kind of wary about doing another kind of big monster movie thing uh, with Legendary when all this Godzilla King Kong uh, stuff's happening with a different uh, distributor? In many ways, I definitely consider Godzilla... You know the other spin-off of the the barn trilogy. You know, um, <laughs> so you know you get your le- the barn legacy and all, but you know, I mean, the, he changes identities. You know that much. You know, it's, but, h- it's hard to know. But did you not hear the and barn so five? So he he he, 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 he he comes out of hiding as Godzilla <laughs> in, in order to, to to fight a greater good look. That means all right. I'm born, I'm a spy, have to be inconspicuous, have to fade yeah. in their crowd, I'll become Godzilla. Ex- exactly. <laughs> Hide in plain sight, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Nobody plain else sight. suspect that's born. <laughs> exactly. Master of disguise. He learned but, that one from Sherlock Holmes. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> but did you not hear, obviously, born five, now it, it is. I mean, like, it's Jason Bourne versus Godzilla, actually Tommy Lee Jones is playing. Uh, no, but what I'm saying is Jason Bourne is fucking Godzilla. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones would be a passport in the first one. It was, <laughs> it was, it was Michael Caine, Jason Bourne, Adam, whatever, Godzilla, and then uh, whatever. It was one of his passports in the first one. <laughs> but it is, it is, I mean, I, I'm sort of joking, but I'm sort of serious too. Godzilla was the fucking, uh, we need to get this guy out again. They fucking, they sort us out. Do, do you know what, as well? See, going back to. Uh, well, it, it, it's, it's more under siege than. Uh, the Bourne. <laughs> he, he's more. He's more Casey Ryback than Godzilla Jason Bourne. Is a they? chef on a warship. He is, isn't he? He's always, he's always all cooking up stir fry. Uh, uh, Somebody's just all radiation breath. So what the fuck? That boy doesn't uh, need that's it. Though. So what the fuck are we going to do? So we gotta give Godzilla a call. <laughs> He's just cooking up fucking lobster, that biggest fucking lobsters you've ever seen. Like <laughs> radiation lobster. I like fucking dirty weapons great to fuck off lobsters. <laughs> just he's just fucking cooking away and all aping and all. It was just all I uh, the fucking president's on the blower. He's just all oh, for fuck. I'm out like I'm done ruining studies. Uh, I'm done. Hey, it's all. It's all. Uh, I it's, just care about lunch time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's one of them wee bad fuckers that fucking I don't know killed your mare, son. He's just oh, I fucking have to go now, don't I? Like, <laughs> if they go and take him down, like. But Heron, in, in in the most recent Godzilla film, I'm pretty sure there is essentially a line that we need to call Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is. There, I? there is like the the scientist says like, oh, Godzilla, sorry, uh-huh. like, basically. <laughs> 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 and, and, and it'd be great though if it was just a wee sofa. 
And then it's just like a wee ball of popcorn and, and you know, <laughs> things where you just see this big claw. Everything this big fuck off bag of popcorn. But it's like a forced perspective, like Elf and the shop moves out and literally the chairs are about the size of the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, he's sitting watching his own films. He's watching it like a boxing match. He's just all fuck, fuck. <laughs> right, right, you ball bag. Okay. One. That's why I slap him now, look. Aye, aye, but they fucking take us out on here. He's watching the 98 goals, and I said, I never want that Matthew Broderick in that. Aye, aye, it's all my boys. You never want him So, uh, do you bring it back to Pacific Rim too? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think I think it's a shame for the, the just the actual franchise of Pacific Rim, because I really, I really enjoyed the first one, and I, I would like to see a second one. Like, And obviously, Del Toro's a great director, and... He's a great visual director, and I'd be excited to see what he would do with the robots versus kaiju. See, this where I dis- well, not disagree. I do understand that uh, Del Toro is a great visual director, and he definitely, uh, you, you can consider him a visionary director, one of these directors who's, you know, very about uh, the aesthetic and very about the cinematography. But one thing I will say about Del Toro is if you look besides Pan's Labyrinth, what are great maybe and Kronos as well what are great Del Toro films can you name here fucking Hellboy Hellboy 2 we went and seen that Mm. and whenever the fucking Port Rush thing came up we laughed our balls off aye because it was set in our own country but it's not a great film it's not Giants Causeway aye but I just say Port Rush in general aye Giants Causeway we went and seen that and we laughed so much yeah, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm saying, like, I, I don't think... It's actually a good film, though. It's good, but I'm saying, like, Del, but I've never understood why Del Toro was held up there in the same sort of canon as your likes of... Peter Jackson. Like, the Scorsese's and Peter Jackson's and all these fantasy directors and, and just top directors in general. And I don't think that Del Toro's ever really earned it. I think because he does storylines and he has visuals that are kind of out there and because he's never really had a dud, but he hasn't really made a great film besides Pan's Labyrinth, he's, I, I think he's... I think it's... It's not right that he's considered up in that bracket. I don't think he's proved himself to be up there. Would you would you be right to say that he's still like an internet darling in that, in that kind of sense? No, he definitely is an internet darling. That's what I'm saying. I think the fact that he's an internet darling kind of drums up his reputation more than, than what it should be. I think it's like the Nolan thing all over again. Nolan is obviously, he's, he's, he's a very good director. I don't think Christopher Nolan's a great director yet. I think he's made a yes, lot of yes. very good films, but he's not uh, up there with the top top. I, I he's don't, very uh, young. He, he he will. I think he will be consist. He will consistently throughout his career have that 100%, problem. Is, yeah. He, he Are doesn't. You talking about Del Toro? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, okay. Well, I go back quickly. I, I just think that uh, no one can write good dialogue. He can good good plot. He can fucking seriously rock a budget and he can move it along. But he's great at practical effects as well. Is, 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 uh, but his natural characters. He just, he just, he just really falls flat on it. Like I think he's perfect characters, and I mean, and all enough, and it's, it's actually a nice wee kind of circle to meet it. As earlier on, we were talking about the fact that Kubrick always got this criticism of being cold, and what's strange is that the reason that I first found that out is because it was actually an article that I was reading about Christopher Nolan's films, and they compared him to Kubrick and the fact that he's a very technically accomplished director who can achieve great visuals and he can pull out a great story, but. His films always seem very cold. Now, whereas I don't agree with it with Kubrick, I definitely do agree with it with Nolan. His films are always, I wouldn't say, maybe a wee bit lifeless. Like, there's characters there and they're doing things, but a lot of the times when you're watching a Nolan film... They're devices for the story. Yeah, you just, see, you just see the character as a like a construct of the plot to get from A to B. It's not actually a character. They're very yes, vacant. Yes. Well, do you not think he tried to address some of that, though, in Interstellar and try to build up this big relationship with... 
Matthew McConaughey even, and his even daughter. Even that, that I, I think it's very cliche. I do. But think uh, that you, uh, you, you use stock techniques to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't think there was anything, especially original, about how they developed that that story. No. It, it was just they just hung the whole film on this all love, and you're like, yeah. Um, she got older though. So. <laughs> all right, she got older. <laughs> all right, sorry. <laughs> It was a kind of weird thing where he wanted to bang his own daughter. But weird. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's... Weird. We were all there with him, though. It's kind of one of those ones, too, and it's not just a kind of... <laughs> you always there. <laughs> it's not they kind of pump up the mechanisms or not like that there, but I think that in a way less uh, accomplished actor's hands, that character would have just been as, as 2D as all the other characters in point. And, I would and, go along with that. And even, like, uh, even Batman... I mean, like, he's one of the richest characters around, and uh, fair enough, he done on it well. well you mean money wise, eh? Yeah, yeah. But I'm mean, like, he's he's one of the, he's one of I like that. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the richest characters <laughs> about, nice. and he's, he's he's got so many things that you can kind of mine into. And obviously, there's always the one little things about his parents thing, and he's very alone, and you know, he just wants justice, and he can't really connect with other people, and etc., etc. How can take us out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, your man, daddy. Your man, <laughs> your fucking man, get over it. You Bye. fucking buy a new set of parents. You fucking stoke. <laughs> fucking wipe them tears away with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> Best thing is he's paying Alfred tuppence. <laughs> paying Alfred nothing. Hey. Is the next one we'll call like T.Y.U. Batman? No, <laughs> hey, hey. Alfred's not fucking brave for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred's doing a double. <laughs> hey, Alfred's doing a fucking double, right? <laughs> hey. He used, to, he used to eat his fucking dinner off fucking Bruce's scraps, dude. <laughs> Threw together some serious fucking sandwiches, from what I hear. Like. He sleeps in a boodle, a Batmobile, for fuck's sake. I don't a house. But, uh, <laughs> aye. <laughs> uh, but anyway, going back to that, right? Batman, one of the richest characters about, obviously, The Dark Knight Rises is, in hindsight, a pretty poor film. The Dark Knight, good film. One of the most I really like Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I think it's very flawed. The Dark Knight. Really good film, but in hindsight as well, also quite... Batman Begins, for me, is the best of the trilogy. But even for Batman, Batman is supposed to be cold in the background, but there's also a bit of humanity there. And I, you get the most basic points of, like, Batman crusading for justice, and he doesn't want Gotham, they fall into being a cesspit. But you never get that, that vibe of Batman, you never get that character of Batman there. And it's not on down to Christian Bale's performance. I think that's how no one directed him, you know what I mean? Aye, but this, this, is, this is why I think... This is why I do I don't mind Dark Knight Rises is because it's the only time you really see the character, and it's one of the only times you really see Christian Bale fucking go for it as the mm. character, you know, with a walking stick, and he's really frail to start now, and he like that's the only time you really see Bruce Wayne when he's not fucking James Bond like, yeah. and I was kind of like, I really like that there. Like just say, uh, this is episode twenty three of this podcast, and it's the twenty third episode in a row. Sean Corliss brought up Batman. <laughs> have, I, have I brought Batman every episode? Every episode. Maybe I'm Batman obsessed, my word. But Michael, Michael, Michael. Did you ever notice how uh, Batman and Sean are never in the same place together? Bat-chan. Bat-chan. You heard here first, like, you know what I mean? I bat-called you. Christopher No-chan. Don't want to brag, like, you know what I mean? See when they pull up my lunch. Christopher No-show, fucking <laughs> I half eight, ten o'clock, we're like... <laughs> <laughs> See when there's a crime happen there and they pop a lantern and they fucking frame the sky a ball of bugfish. Okay, and we'll move on to our next news, which is Enchantal. Enchantal? Enchantal. Enchanted is getting a sequel called Disenchanted. Oh, it's getting dark. I didn't see the first one, having a fucking clue. The first one's really good. Is that, it's Amy Adams, isn't it? It's the... Lovely Amy Adams. Oscar nominated. Was that, is that Brad Marshall that enchanted? 
Um, in Chicago I'm, and stuff. I'm not sure. No, he's not. No, what am I looking at? What am I thinking of? Nine, is it? Wait, Daniel Day-Lewis, which is a completely <laughs> No, but... You just named another Rob Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. he asked, is that not you? No, but, but uh, she she does the kind of music numbers and stuff, doesn't she? Yeah, I know, there's musical numbers and all, and it's it's essentially Disney kind of spoofing on their animated uh, stuff. Aye, exactly, exactly, I, I don't know who it was directed by, maybe it was Rob well, Marshall. Obviously, during, like, I think the, he had a hand on it. During like the early the late two thousands, Disney obviously got a lot of flag for like their sort of hand drawn animation stuff, and it was almost kind of a feeling at the time that because of the rise of Pixar and because of like you know uh, that that sort of style of animation, it was now the standard that two D animation, which Disney became famous for, was was dying out. You know what I mean? And I think it's Enchanted, from what I know now because I haven't seen the film, was a sort of response to that. I know obviously in a lot of it's live action, but it was a response to that dying out, and it's them trying to. Conjure up feelings uh, of the past, and from what I heard, I've heard it as good. Like I've heard it, it's uh, got good reviews. It was not. I think it, it wasn't. I, I was mixing it up with with another thing. It's, it's not Rob Marshall, but I think there is a. Uh, it, it's it's Boris Allen feeds one. That, you know, get the uh, Men in Black. Yeah, and I think there's that, that's kind of even though it's 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 you know a, you know a mashup and I kind of a taking the piss out of itself and yeah. yeah. All this kind of stuff, Barry Sonnenfeld, like Men in Black and all that there and all, and he's, he's definitely fucking right on fat there. It's just, yeah, well, it's, I don't it, know, I just find it hard to do the music numbers. It's, it's, it's a good point that you brought, because all in all, even just last week, uh, we discussed Men in Black, and we discussed how when we actually went back to watch it, you know, as adults. It's very good. We, yeah, I mean, like, we didn't actually realise that Men in Black was obviously lifted from a comic book, and it's very kind of pulpy and self-referential, and it's taking the piss out of the fact it's that it's really a comic top book. end, like. And it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's way more... It has way more depth than what you remembered as a kid. As Aye. a kid, you just thought, oh, it's Will Smith fucking shooting the, the fucking aliens. That's like. an old action here, look. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting that you bring up that parallel now with Enchanted and doesn't he kind of looking at the, and being self, sort of, in a way, self-deprecating about the, their 2D animation. You know what I mean? And, and how it's kind of fallen out of favour and it's not the, yeah. the niche thing anymore. Okay, and the next news is... Vin Diesel. Old Vin. Big Vinny. Diesel. Big Vinny Diesel. D. Is... Thinking about directing the next Fast and Furious film? Oh! Boom. No, do not. Please. Drops a mic. Bang. He directed, <laughs> he directed multifacial, right? It was just a really small, small short. Like Pornful? when he was getting on day. But it was it was before he even did Fast and Furious. He hasn't directed anything, but um more of a compilation. <laughs> yeah. He's he's produced uh he produced Reddick the third and the Reddick films and uh the if and he's in the third Fast and Furious film, the one that had didn't have Paul Walker or yeah. him. Uh, Tokyo Drift. Uh, he he appeared at the end of it for something like two minutes for a wage. No, no, uh, not even like five seconds, man. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Like I've seen it, like, but uh, the whole thing was that he uh, he appeared at the end of that. It was a deal for him that he appeared in that uh, in order to get the rights back to Reddick. Really? Uh, that's, yes. that's, that's, that's so it was a, p- a pure contractual thing. Pure contractual thing. He says he he says I'll I'll appear in this for Nahan if you give me the rights to Reddick, and so he could make his own Reddick film. Do you and then th- from then on, then but then because they they thought all oh, happy days they'll be a bit of interest in the franchise because Diesel's in it, but they didn't realize how much the fans just went holy fuck Van Diesel back. You know you see him blah 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 so on. Another thing as well about Van Diesel and it's kind of strange is that usually most people I would think and I assumed this for a, a long time is if you hear Van Diesel. There's this misconception, you think, oh, it's just this kind of, in, in the same vein as Stallone, 
or uh, or a, a Schwarzenegger. No, he's big, a smart guy. Yeah, like, but that's the same. Big dumb action hero fan, or action hero uh, movie star, and that's not the case. He's very smart. Mm. He's a good writer. He's an excellent producer, like we're saying. Hence why the Fast and the Furious films have you know kind of went up four, in four until seven. How many? How many? How many films at number seven do you know that have been that successful? Exactly. I don't think any. Please, I can't. Ever. No, I'm taking a hand. <laughs> but like, well, Harry, Harry Potter, maybe that's the only yeah. one I can compare it to. Yeah, and that's that's like that's, that's mental compared yeah. to Fast and Furious to Harry Potter. That's like its own base. The then. box office, like. but they they show how good uh, Van Diesel is just at even just marketing himself. Before he was announced as like Groot in Guardians Galaxy, which is just a voiceover thing of him saying "I am Groot" over and over mm-hmm. again. He he was posting things on his Twitter like "Oh, having meetings with Marvel and all this here." And then everybody was guessing like "Oh, who? What hero would he play? Like who 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 would who would Vin be in the Marvel universe and all this here?" And he was posting up different uh, uh, pictures of comic book characters which he would look a bit like or whatever. Like he mm. was just he was just trolling people yeah. basically, just he's, just yeah. getting the balls out there yeah. and just he's the smartest fucker of just getting. Oh no, he, talking he's about really him. good because yeah. he has he has a page and uh, I have to say signed up to it on Facebook. Uh, it's, <laughs> called, it's called Van Book. Van Book, <laughs> right? Very nice, very and nice. what do you call it? And uh, like just for example, like we write. Uh, Fast and Furious 4 happened then with him as producer right uh, and Fast and Furious 4 when it came out uh, when Paul Walker and him both returned simply called Fast and Furious uh, uh, it made more money than the first three put together phenomenal and, uh, phenomenal again and then the, f- the fifth came out right then and then uh, Van Diesel was trying Fast to f- five. and he was trying to find out who who would be this big fucking US guy to come and hunt him down and he, what he originally wanted Tommy Jones to do it. <laughs> he wanted the Samuel Gerard kind of character, the fugitive of character. Aye, that's what he wanted for <laughs> ages. He saw that, that's what I was going for. That's what you know, that's originally was was his idea. And then, and then, uh, if you see any interviews about how he came to the rock, it was it was honest. It was just somebody on Facebook said, "I would just love to see." You and Dwayne Johnson fucking throw down and go Phenomenal. for it, like. And what the best thing is too. And is so that every time that happens, when they say why, why, how the rocket involved, he mentions that person on Facebook. We have said it so many times. Absolute franchise Viagra, La Rock. <laughs> throw the rock on the anything. Hey. You got bank. Do you know the thing that uh, every single fast actor has in their contract now that they can't lose? I don't know if it's been mentioned before in this podcast, no. but no. So I mean, they can't lose. Like, if you ever see. Rock, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, like any of the main actors, Tyrese, even Lucas, yeah. get in a fight. They don't lose. Mis- kinda- it's it's more it's more misfortune, and I don't believe this, but like if you watch the last two films, I, th- I can't remember if it was Paul or Vin sort of first, but the case was that if one of them they can't lose, it, they just can't lose a fight. It has to happen by misfortune where they lose, where like. They, something exterior happens where like it's not their fighting style they've been cheated in a way yes they've been yeah. che- yes yes and, and, and well Tyree's in hand had a fight in Fast 6 in the London Underground there was this Chinese boy that was just fucking unreal <laughs> and uh, he just bit the line out of both of them like well sure fucking Michelle got Rodriguez got her fucking ticket punched in four <laughs> but it's another yeah. thing has she but not she's come a, back she's, or something she's alive again though. I know I know but I, I haven't seen the rest of them right. I don't know why spoilers <laughs> It was going to be my topic tonight, but that's not going to be right. Very quickly, it's a good, it's a good side story. Uh, Fast Seven came out on I think it was Easter weekend over here. Yep. Yeah. Right. So this is no joke. I know we said every in a podcast, but I literally went to the cinema to buy a cans. <laughs> uh, I went to I the did, office around the corner from the local 
cinema. I, I go with small bottles and of I wine. Bought so a pink one can, each, one each oh, lovely stuff. As you live in Scotland, so uh, I went there, drank my tenants, laughed a lot. Like seen a film, like, seen a film like Fast Seven comes on, I will laugh a lot. It's like this is so enjoyable. Yeah. I laughed the entire phrase. Like that was incredible. I have not since seen a film more enjoyable than that was. Okay, so it was me, my girlfriend, and her friend went, and uh, she came to us the next week and told us she's like. And her girlfriend's also a doctor. Ooh! So she's in the hospital ward and she's chatting to a guy who's also a doctor. Mentor. She's like, oh, why did you do it? Like, why did you do it for the weekend? What, what, what was your crack? Why did you go up there? He's like, I had a good weekend. I went and seen uh, Fast and Furious uh, 7 last night. This happened on a Tuesday. We went and seen it on Monday. She's like, all right, I seen it last night. It was a good And he was like, I was good, but there was this guy in front of us who would not stop laughing the entire <laughs> way through. <laughs> And you're that guy. And then she went, well, What happened? He was like, Oh, we went and seen it at uh, half seven, which we did. But she lied and was like, Oh, we seen a half eight. <laughs> he was like, Hi, there was this guy who was constantly drinking cans and everything had happened that was ridiculous. He was constantly laughing. I'm sorry, that's like, brilliant. So, like, <laughs> so, like, there's a scene where Van Diesel in the latest Fast and Furious drives a car off a cliff. I laughed. There's a scene where Paul Walker and Van Diesel. Drive a car from one skyscraper to another skyscraper, another skyscraper and I laughed the entire time. That's what way. it's there for. <laughs> and this guy got boys there all the time. I know. And the guy got so annoyed. I remember not because honestly, like it was my friend uh, Chris who was actually on this podcast, and I was just all fucking fast fives out, money fuck, and it's all. I was all nah, fast and furious, and it's all seriously. He says you fucking will not regret it, money fuck. Get a half bottle, man. <laughs> and uh, whatever we, 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 you know, we ended up going. Get out, a half right? ball for that trailer. Yeah, we had a we had a, we had a couple of bottles. Uh, we got a couple of uh, cans of extra stuff, Guinness. And they, they they talked away, and uh, and then we had a uh, just a bit of whiskey. But it was just like as soon as fucking, it was like there's a stunt really early in Fast Five where they're stealing like a, I think it's it's like a Corvette. Uh, it's the silver Corvette. What do you call it? The the Corvette, not Spider. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the exact name of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's the scene where uh, Paul Walker jumps from the train onto the Corvette, and then they fucking drive it off, and then it just goes into slow motion. And it's actually really similar to the Triple X stunt, where they kind of they, they go off, and then they sort of just kick out of the car, and the car is just falling beside them, and then they just talk, and it's in slow motion. And then both of us started fucking hanging her shells laughing <laughs> but it's just like that's exactly what you fucking go for you know it really hits you and it's just fucking brilliant well see see going that right and considering how good a producer he is and the quality that he's kind of the, the quality he's kind of forced now in, in the fast sort of series I would for me even though I haven't seen the last four but I've heard so many good things I would have no problem because he's obviously a smart guy he's obviously good at marketing he obviously knows the stuff I don't see why it's a kind of big bit of, of unlocking the direct you see, I, I think, like, we're on about that he's a smart guy and all this here. I don't think he would do it as, oh, I want to direct kind of thing. Like, it, it, he would only do it if he feels like he he can handle that film, you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, he's been producer in the last, what, four or three? Yeah. Van see as well. I mean, I think Multifacial, his first film, he, he was a director. Yeah, he, so it's not like it's unfamiliar. I know he has, like. he has directed, and he actually he well. actually directed. Uh, he directed a side. If you're a big Fast fan, you'll notice it was a side section of Fast and Furious. It was between 
like B unit? Three and four. No, it, it was actually a short film, oh. mostly in Spanish. It's about 20 minutes long, and it's him and Michelle Rodriguez down, hiding out down in, in Mexico. And uh, they're just hanging out, just down around the beach and this kind of thing. Is it called Rapido to Rapido? Rapido to Rapido. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a short. It's, a it's short. not called Fast and Fast. Uh, <laughs> I sure know. <laughs> what would that be in Spanish, Gary, when you don't, until a later age? I, I rapido no. e Furiosa. Furiosa. Charlie Theron's character. So essentially, just trying to copy Mad Max. Karen, continue. Uh, it, uh, no, no, but it's just a small second. It's very, very character driven, uh, and I think the the, the best things about the last Black of Fast and Furious things is the characters. They've just made them really good. Uh, it's about fam. <laughs> it's about, uh, I'm getting about sick of bullshit too, Nick. As you much want to hear a good side story? Uh, I got hell. Right, I just remembered this because you said that in Spanish. Uh, so, in it was ever lower or upper sixth. We were doing Spanish, and oh, I this is actually about Spanish, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I didn't want to do this. Like, I turn around there, and I was like, "Look, I can get either three A's and A levels, or like struggle to get four grades." Okay, and. Our friend Dave was in Spanish class with me. Beautiful man. Beautiful man. Uh, David. Yeah. And uh, we, were in, we were in class one day and our Spanish teacher, who was Spanish, started reading this news article. And it was a news article about how because all these people were buying up plots of lands on the coast and changing them on the golf resorts, yeah. it was bad for tourism and employment. And our friend Dave, who around was like, this is boring it down. It's her and it was like, no, it's good. And our teacher was like, what do you mean? He was like, because these areas are now, plan- are now employing people who live in the area, who work in the area, who have possibly not other jobs because other tourist attractions are lower on the coast and yeah. like, it's all east coast stuff, like from Barcelona downwards. Fair enough, man. He was like, and he, sa- he said this all in Spanish and Dave never really spoke in Spanish, but he said it all in Spanish. I cannot, and I'm, she was Spanish. I cannot punch that man being cultured in any way. So he was like, I it, it's employing people, it's sustaining the environment for a, at least a good few years. Because like once people work here, they can sustain the land. They can like look after these golf courses that they like rich people are buying up. Did she, she say fuck off in English? Sort of. <laughs> Basically, he made the argument that because all these people are buying up all this land, they're doing so much, they're doing so good that they're opening all these courses. They're employing more people. Like originally, there was zero people working there. Everybody, ten, twenty, thirty people, like all just working there, permanent jobs. Mm. And she was like, no. Could he see the, you know, face principal with, like, the year head? Nah. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I just sat in a class <laughs> beside him, pure awkward, being like, couldn't just please take the plea bargain? And he was like, and he was like, he, like, his lawyer. I, and I was like, no, please. sweat and all. I, please, oh. just, please just, ar- please just argue. And she went, no, you need to leave the class, go to your head. And he got up and left. <laughs> Had to go to your head. And came back, 20 the door, sat back down, and he was like, I won. And it was the only time I've ever seen somebody beat a teacher. And he was so lured. He was so happy. I so love, I. I love as well, right? You, for all the years through school, when he sat beside Dave, essentially acted as this sort of fucking lawyer to him. And you can picture Jew, the stereotypical kind of, the stereotype of this downtrodden lawyer who has a, who has a more like kiss in years. And he's got the worst client. Sit there, t- <laughs> he's his best I, and worst I, client. Un- he always gives him work, but in everyone's a case, like, <laughs> hair everywhere. F- 
fucking glasses, must not have a glass tweed jacket all over the fucking place. Dave, please just take it. My name is Gary Owen, I'm a lawyer. He won my case. So, D. My name is Gary Owen, I make love. They sum up that that news story. Go ahead, Van. Tell your bits. Uh, this went from Mission Impossible to Mission in frickin' Sanity. Mm. <laughs> That's a film. That's, That's a which, which uh, film? It's from uh, it's Fast Five uh, when they're standing Bam. on the roof. I, 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 know, I know too much about this. How relevant, Gary Owen? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, and before we go into topics, 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 Fearball? Yeah, well, obviously, because our fearless leader... Fearball? <laughs> <laughs> because our fearless leader demanded it, because he has obviously been dry for 30 days, I have uh, got ahead of the game and poured them already. Oh, so, yeah. here is your fireball, oh, Michael. This is my one. Oh, Gary Owen, here is your fireball. Mm. Take Thank this you. now. Drop it on that vlog, you have sure. Fuck Calm here. <laughs> Hello there. Here we are. Right, we'll neck us again, and this uh, is gonna be. Uh, cheers, everybody! Cheers. Uh, cheers. Well done, cheers, to Michael, folks. for raising so much money for fucking cancer because okay, cancer's right a fucking bitch. Well done, my friend. It is indeed. Right oh, that's delightful. <laughs> that's delightful. Oh, it is a fucking. Right, let's let's not linger on oh, that let's test. Do topics. Let's do topics. <laughs> first yeah. topic. Who's going? Uh, I'll I'll go first. Alright, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, last week I, uh, we were talking about Wolverine and whatnot, and I brought up that Bob Hoskins was supposed to play Wolverine <laughs> at one point. <laughs> so uh, we've actually kind of went and did a bit before of like actors that was up for like big roles, like mentioned Will Smith as Neo in The Matrix, mm. and Sean Connery was supposed to be Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Bill Murray was supposed to be Batman. That's Bill Murray was supposed to yeah. be Batman. Yeah. So I just I just have a few. Uh, possible castings that could have happened over the years. Go. So who do you think was going to be the prettiest woman before Julia Roberts? Brian Blessed. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost in a contract now. I have to say it at least once a week. Well, Meg Ryan's always a competitor against her. pretty woman while you're hanging with us? No. 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 Please don't. <laughs> well, I think an obvious one's Meg Ryan, her and Julia Roberts, the same way... Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt constantly can they were, they were for rules. Kind of uh, yeah. Meg Graham is obviously in, in the, the pot. Andy McDowell? Oh, fuck no, I. No. Was Sally Field too old? <laughs> Not at all. Sally Field's our cherished woman in this so podcast. Sally Field's Sally never Field too old. This year? She's yeah. Been, um, She's always a pretty woman, man. It was Molly Ringwald. Really? 
I, it, it would have been a good boost for after all the Breakfast yeah. Club, John Hughes, whatnot. How much do you think she regrets that now? Considering her career <laughs> shit itself after <laughs> that. Did Johnny she falls. turn it down or did she turn it down? Uh, she turned it down. I what? what? I, think, I think all these is the actors turned them down. And you know what's Although, to be honest with you, I haven't researched this very much. So Did you hear that? IMDb and you just yeah. look it up. What's strange as well is that Molly Ringwald, after like her kind of teeny bopper John Hughes films, was obviously like most people, like your likes of modern day, my listeners are trying to break her that sort of kitty image. She really tried her damnedest to get away from that kid image. So what the fuck? I mean, if you're coming out of John Hughes films and you're getting offered the role of a fucking prostitute, you could not go much further away from a kid image. Uh, than that. So I'm very uh, surprised you uh, turned that down. Like, so who was clueless before? Why are you call the guy Alicia, Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone? Who was clueless before Alicia Silverstone? Right. Was Julia, it a pop Julia star at the time? Nah, Julia Stiles was only about ten at that point. You fucking man. How old's clueless now? Ninety-five. Man. Twenty years old this year. Bang. Watched that last night. I swear to fuck, I feel. You watched what last night? <laughs> Clueless. It's on Netflix and I was bored as fuck. Uh, before Alicia Silverstone. I'm trying to think of It Girls in the mid-90s. Uh, I honestly so, yeah, it's, def- like, it's definitely something that I'm not it, up on at all. It was in Drew Barrymore, was it? Like, young... Oh, hang on. Oh, where? Oh, uh, I fucked it up. Oh, he's oh. only gone and fucked it. No, she wasn't... Uh, I say, you know what? I'm just gonna skip that one because it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you read and do research, did you, Mickey? I really did not do research. <laughs> I want to highlight this in every aspect. Okay, <laughs> who was uh, the Godfather before the Godfather? You might know this one here. Uh, fuck you, Mickey, you bastard! I oh, don't ha- know oh hang on, hang on. No, oh, Ma- Mickey, come on, mate. Oh, Ma- come on, Mickey. Michael Car, Michael Carleone. Um, uh, Which, Ro- Robert Redford. Nope. No, well, not for, for, for a yeah. fact. He was the studio favorite. All right, then. Was but he? N- he was Rob- okay. Robert Redford with a this, with a black wig. This this game is essentially what do I have in front of me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right now, but, but, but uh, in terms of golf, all right, we had Robert Redford. Uh, oh no, it actually says it was Robert Redford, Ryan O'Neill. Oh, oh, there you Warren, go, Warren Ryan Beatty, O'Neill. Dustin Hoffman. That's what happened. Hey, we chatted about it on. That's what happened to Ryan O'Neill's career. After Brian Lunton, he was offered a Godfather. Doesn't happen from Patrick. Ryan O'Neill was not a Godfather. He could have been the biggest actor ever. But like also because they were searching that fucking hard. Uh, if you if you've got uh, they they re-released the Godfather and all in that sort of red box edition. Well, in the UK they didn't know me, and they they just lost all these brilliant features that they had. And you know their their original one it was just the the black box uh, slide out. It was just a kind of a, a DVD edition of the VHSs, right? And they, they show all the edition footage of people that auditioned. for yeah. There's like an audition reel on it. Oh, really? And they have James Cann with a really dodgy looking wig <laughs> doing Michael <laughs> uh, opposite, uh, what do you call her? Uh, fucking D- Diane Keaton. Yeah. And uh, it, it just looks fucking wriggles. And then they have also, they have Robert De Niro auditioning for Sonny. Oh, thank fuck that I make that choice. Uh, no, but they they had him with his long hair from Main Streets and all, and they, he was playing him like a fucking absolute psychopath. Like no, but what I'm saying is Robert De Niro, like as Sonny, would have been sweet. But I'm just glad they didn't because then you wouldn't have got Robert De Niro got number two like, as a young uh, fucking exactly. Brando looking. I mean, which is so, no, but so it was good. one of those things that they remember. They uh, they remembered him from the edition and thought, no, this boy's fucking good. Like you know. I know, well, I think maybe that's a wee bit of fucking but, uh, nice nostalgia uh, because was, uh, but Redford was the. F- I know, I actually said that in my notes, uh, which I didn't read. Um, his notes uh, that he didn't make. <laughs> it was actually Jack Nicholson. Really? As Michael Corleone? 
That would have been fucking mad. Okay, this one you I should have done I, it like I, yeah. check and do fucking anything. Right, this this one I've pre read, so I'm pretty high up on it. Uh who was Forrest Gump before Forrest Gump? Jesus, that's a good one there. Samuel. Kevin Costner? Nope. That's a good shape because he was well um, has Daniel has started to start to fade. No. Hmm. I'm trying to think of an everyman. Okay, uh, I'm I'm going to actually read from this thing. Hanks wasn't the studio's first choice for the role. John Travolta was. Oh, sweet what? Jesus! Thank fuck they didn't. And then followed by Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. A Bill Murray would have been classes for us. Gone. He would not. He would not. He really would have been. Would not have Fair enough. Good. He may have brought his Bill Murray kind of just well, essentially just acting like Bill Murray. No. Well, no, in all fairness, because he has kind of. I hate that Travolta, but I think Travolta's a. F- Fucking seriously he's, good actor, like. He is. Oh, but he's a good. But he's uh, just, uh, you know you what? He could have gumped it up though. Is, yes. Is, 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 <laughs> yes. Could he have went full gump? Would he have went full retard? Like, I don't know. It's a thing. But uh, no, it, honestly, trying to avoid the traffic. I I I worried about that time, like as well, like or just just before that. I mean, watch early Travolta, early Brian De Palma stuff. It's fucking untouchable, like. But see, no, here I will agree with you, right? And that Travolta, like. Sir, <coughs> even in, in, in the man's got serious range. No, like. but I, I might get criticised for this. But even like Greece, which is fucking so cotton candy, issues a slight bit of range. That Saturday Night Fever, which most people assume is like a kind of love there, disco, and the way it is, but it's actually right. a pretty harsh drama I, film. I, actually, the biggest film of its time. Yeah, and like how yeah. how fucking strange his relationship was with his family. Pulp Fiction issues about a range. Well, what about the sequel to Saturday Night Fever? What was the sequel to Saturday Night Fever? Staying Alive, directed by Sylvester Stallone. Sun- <laughs> Sunday Night Dinner. No, Shut the, the fuck up, Stallone directed that shit. Hey. Did he? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Stallone. You failed me yet again. But, uh, but Travolta's fucking great, though. No, see, this is the thing. Oh, Tra- he's a star actor, though. Yeah, Travolta can be great, but the thing is, is that first of all, and you can say it about a lot of actors, they've made a lot of poor choices, but at the same time, too, I think Travolta is one of the main offenders of just completely and utterly phoned it on. Not only that as well, but as his career went on, I think Travolta, personally, and it's been a criticism that's relied on him a couple of times, started to eat in and buy into his own ego. And in a lot of his later performances, especially in like kind of action films, like fucking, what is it from... Stop with my mama shit. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's, that's slight, but like, what do, you, what do you call it again? Fucking the one about Paris that he was in with your man from... From Paris of Love? From Paris of Love, and uh, a, a lot of films he did Actually, in the 90s. Do you know, to be honest, I have no, to say, I, I enjoyed like that. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had a geo experience of uh, From Paris of Love, I just sat and fucking laughed my way through it, it was brilliant. <laughs> I was not, really, it, it, it's an absolutely horrendous fucking film, but I think that he's one of those actors that had on his own ego and thought, oh, I'm super cool, and I'm this badass, and he's from Paris, we're loving, he's supposed to be this tanked, fucking, like, CAA-trained killer, and he's about fucking 10 stone over with, it looks like he couldn't even climb a fucking flight of stairs, well, do you know what, he's, he's like, he fuck, he's like, <laughs> fucking, he's a, the he, magic he, of cinema, he's, a, he's you know, he's Hank and Breaking Bad, he's that boy that you don't expect, they have all his fucking, these skills, like, <laughs> not only does fucking Hank take They're down them fucking well. twins, not only does he fucking figure out the whole shit that's going on, but Hank fucking brews his own fucking beer. Hey. <laughs> but Heron, can I disco dance like? Okay. I'm sure he probably could have. <laughs> if he put his big bald mind in, I'm sure he right. probably fucking could. Like. Who was cutting them hedgings before Johnny D and Edward Scissorhands? Oh, fuck. See, now I can't imagine. Do you know what? I'm Tom Cruise is on there. No, Brad Pitt no, was on there. I'm, I'm Lover, no, no, Lover, Tom Cruise Lover. was on there. You're right. right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a shout, and I'm just, uh, this is sort of, 
it's it's calculated thinking because of the time period and because of how big he was and he was alternative. River Phoenix? No. Ah, shit. Okay, mm. fair enough. Something wrong. I'll hold my head. <laughs> River gone. No, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, man. Come Barely, on. By any chance, was DiCaprio in there? Uh, no, no. Sure, the Capri, I was tyranny, I was tyranny for Capri, The like, Capri would have been like, about fucking 13 at that point. But you don't know that guy. It, it says, you were right, we won Tom Cruise, and also RDJ was considered really? But But the main one I have is Jimothy Carey. No way. <laughs> Shut up. Forever Scissorhands. Oh. And, and you, know, you know what's even more interesting? That's that's even before he got his big break in his venture and stuff. And like the mask and, and Dumb and Dumber. So that is when he was just kind of, I think Jim Carrey, I, I, you know, I, I, I might be correct on this, but I think he didn't, obviously he didn't start in SNL. I think he started out on Second in, City. No, in, in Live and Color. Live and Color. In Live and Color, that's what it was. So that would have been Jim Carrey's original big break yeah. if that happens. But I mean, that made it so iconic that it's one of them ones you can't imagine as anybody else. Yeah. And as well, like Jim Carrey, like making that slapstick and fucking... Okay. Maybe this will be the last one because going on about then it's a bit boring. I like it. <laughs> I, no, I'm actually really yeah, enjoying it. Like like it. Like it. Okay, who Keep was going. taking a day off before Matthew Broderick? I see, I couldn't give a fuck because I hate Matthew Broderick. <laughs> and I really think oh, the fairest... fuck, I know this too. I think uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is one of the most overrated films of all time, but anyway, it's besides no, the point. It's a good film, which is about that he runs from over in the goal. Uh, uh, nah, nah, it's not going to go. Tell me, Mikey. Johnny D. Really? Johnny Depp. Really? Just fresh out of 21 Jump Street. Yeah, that's right. Mean, that's like, right. That's exactly right. Can I throw bastard. one on very, very quickly? And go, it's lovely, go, a one-line thing. Obviously, one of the most respected actors of all time, and unfortunately uh, passed away recently, Christopher Lee, legend of horror cinema and stuff like that. Christopher Lee dead. Aye. Jesus, no, Joseph, what you think? <laughs> 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 we did a whole podcast. He's got to be ever six months. But... That would have worked. <laughs> actually, I kind of would have too. Just a really old, creepy over such a hands. But uh, Christopher Lee... He couldn't have the beard, though. He would have caught it. <laughs> sure, back in size, too. Like. <laughs> but uh, Christopher Lee was offered the role of Sam Loomis, the Donald Pleasance character from Halloween. Turned it down because it was very low budget and thought it was going to do fuck all. And then he admitted the uh, our very uh, firm personal favorite John Carpenter years later that it was the biggest regret of his career. Oh, really? There we go. Fantastic. Who was Clint Eastwood killing in a boxing ring before Hilary Swank? Spoilers. <laughs> all right, I've never seen the film. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby. Are you are you, are you asking who was who was Million Dollar Baby? Was I said Ju- Julia Roberts definitely had a who was Hillary Swank I'd say Julia Roberts definitely was in there no, she would not train for that kind of thing man she'd be surprised I'd say Jessica Alba would have been in there nah nah she nah. doesn't have the chops for it Reese Reese Witherspoon nah nah oh, we're, we're all clean yeah, that's here. a good one Reese Witherspoon you uh, want me to no 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 I want to keep guessing I would like to get it <laughs> Uh, not Renee Zellweger no uh, a blonde or brunette uh, brunette Maggie Gyllenhaal no she would have been good though. damn it she would have been fucking class you know right, think, br- think a bit older a bit older for my indoor baby yeah and then our brunette right, hold on this is this is quite tough I've, I, I've got I've got it Obey, Obey, what I've, I've got it Terry Hatcher no no I'm a joke 
<laughs> he definitely weren't. <laughs> nah. See when Kerry Hatcher did a bond, that was a big thing. Isn't that mad? Anyway. Yeah, I know. Now nobody gives a fuck about her. Why, why yeah. was it such a big thing that she did a bond? Like, I know obviously Superman and all, but apparently, like, you know, not apparently, but like, fucking Superman was Lois Lane dead and gone. Like. I think it's just, that, just <laughs> the, the basic formula of being the next Hollywood no, actor. I'm so confused. Like, you're young and good looking. Tell me the answer. Right. Uh, million Dollar Baby, Margaret Maggie Fitzgerald, was to be played by Sandra Bullock. What? Do you know what, right? And I'm just going to kind of go on the one. I could see it, you know. Yeah. I could definitely fucking see it, eh? I think, right, Sandra Bullock, very talented actress. She's got a great balance of doing comedy roles and drama roles. But I just think she's very bland. And she's an Oscar winning actress, like, but has anybody else ever got that? She's no, got, I like her. She's called America's Sweetheart. She's seen as like the kind of most accessible actress, and apparently she's exceptionally down to earth, and that's fucking sweet. And I mm. and I love that that she's a good person. But I've always just found her about two D as an actress. Just a, a, not a way of range there. It's kind of the same character all the you time. Ever, you ever seen uh, Twenty Eight Days? I, I mean, when she's playing a recovering alcoholic, mm. that's good. But at the same time, it's 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 not a great film, and it's it's not a great film. I think she's great in it. But I mean, like that's one of the few ones I can point to. Even and the Blind Side, I think she's fucking really good. Very good. No, Actually, do you know what she's brilliant on? Uh, is Crash? She's great in Crash. But even at that, that's just a wee bad part. She's Brenton Fraser's wife. Right. And it's it's yeah, she's good. But at the same time, what's she doing on that? She's playing a, a racist. Like to, a, to a me, to me, racist. it doesn't matter. It's like, I mean, she was one of the people in that ensemble cast that sort of came on and 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 oh, stood out. Of course. Oh, the job was done. Like you know, you really, really got what she felt and all. And I think no, and I, I just like Sandra Bullock from from lots of things. But like, but I thought I thought that was just a really, see, really good turn. This like is a strange thing. I think she's a really good actress, and I really respect her. And I like the fact that she's one of those few actresses who can balance comedy and drama. But it's just I I don't think she's she's on the level of people put her up to. I don't think she's she's uh, at that. She, I know what you mean. She doesn't she doesn't disappear in the perch like. But at the same time, when she is in roles, and any time I've watched her, it's stuck in my mind, and I think that's uh, maybe even more kind of even more remarkable in the fact that, like we said before, that the, the fucking lack of of really good female roles in Hollywood. So mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm arguing against myself. I'm not quite sure. Okay, mm. I know we're a phone podcast, but this is a TV one. But it's that astounding. I have to bring it up. Who was going to be George Costanza in Seinfeld? Oh, 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 oh. Do you know this? Was it Was it before he got the role in season four? Was it thingy from Entourage? Oh, his name. Well, no, you're wrong. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, I'll give you some clues. He's bald. Bob Hoskins. Spanish, is he? He... Not Diesel. <laughs> he wears glasses. Might he, he is not known for his acting. I was trying to be quick and I actually loved that. It was like, no, no I, was, I was just too, too quick on the, on, on the schling there. He is know. more known for his musical ability. Phil Collins. Bill Betty. On late night television. Paulie Schaefer? Yeah. <laughs> Yo! What? Paul Schaefer was offered the. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer from. From from David Letterman. From Letterman, Jesus. I was about to say that. Is that I don't know it's in like a dick, yeah. but it's just no, all Paul Schaefer like, from fucking Letterman. Like, a lot of stuff like it's Rainer Man and stuff like he's extremely talented. Like he helped a lot of people make a lot of fucking hit records in America. Right here, is, is, what do you hear is here? Uh, here we go. 
David David Letterman's longtime band leader and banter buddy Schaefer admits banter in buddy. banter buddy admits in his now team. you tell him I ain't no band leader. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I heard that story. He he admits in his 2009 memoir, "We'll Be Here the Rest of Our Lives," that he was offered the role of George by Jerry Seinfeld himself. Who didn't even want him to audition? Paul Schaefer never called him back because he was busy at the time. The role went to Jason Alexander. Fucking hell! That is fuck. That's absolutely crazy. Mm. Absolutely mental. Um, I th- I think we'll just. Oh, actually, one one more TV one, then we'll round this topic out. Go. Who was going to be the Scully to his mother in X Files? <sighs> Jesus, that's a I, I have no, tough. Like, I have no. I have no. I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank on nineties kind of but part TV actresses. Jessica so. Chastain's mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a clue. Oh it's obviously Gillian Anderson played the iconic role. Yeah. yeah. They have the same last name. Pamela. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Shut Jesus. up. Sorry. Pardon my. Fuck Ren- off. Renamed the Sex Files. You're fucking. After tripping. one series. In an odd casting choice, the show's producers Fucking reportedly had their watch. eye on the busty blonde for the role of <laughs> FBI Special Agent Scully. The busty blonde. Which eventually made Gillian Anderson a household name. Fucking yeah. hell. Sin- since then, Gillian has been reported as saying Pamela was somebody who was more familiar to them in terms of what was on TV at the time. They were looking for someone bustier, taller, leggier than me. But you're right. Episode of fucking X Files, really, really doing beat. This alien just crash landed in this field in Iowa. We'll see. Mulder Lanzer himself, he's investigating. He's got that torture. He's smoking a fag, and then you see Pamela bitten through that field in a fucking uh. red jumpsuit, just or whatever it is. Uh. <laughs> and you hear that Baywatch music. Her running, and she's not even running with a surfboard. Just running like a fucking, I don't know, like an alien recorder or something like that. They're so mad. Part of John Anderson is soon as a pound. We we, uh, we 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 actually have to fucking. Uh, she's a great girl. She's great. She's a love, lovely girl. She's lovely my very favourite. But we, we, I suppose we have to acknowledge, obviously, that fucking uh, the fall shot here. No, yes. In our own. In our own. In our in our humble little country. But there's a friend of mine, Tom, that drives for a certain farm company. They do the vans, they supply the vans and all. But you have a a car that drives actors like a like a Merc or a Volvo mm. or something like this here, and uh, he, his job was picking up Jillian uh, Anderson when they're doing the fall, and uh, he just said there was one of these days where uh, his dog died, or no no sorry his dog was really really sick that's what okay. it was, and uh, he had a uh, I think he had to pick up her daughter or something and, and he was telling the daughter a story. And this is the whole thing, and whenever he pick up the daughter and so on and leave them somewhere, and he, he didn't tell Jillian Anderson the story, but uh, he pick up the both of them, leave them somewhere, and so on, whatever. And he was dropping them off, and he was just about to pull off, and uh, he says the back door. <laughs> sure, he's about to pull off. But Jillian Anderson, about his girl. But he says he dropped them off, and the back door opens again, and uh, he, uh, part of Jillian Anderson just was in the car, and he says. Heard her crack about the dog. He says, uh, if you don't want to pick me up Amara, if you have to do something for the dog, and all, if you take it to the vet, and he says, that's grand, I'll get a taxi. Oh, what an absolute sweetheart. Diamond, hey. What do an absolute mean? sweetheart. So I know, like. That is just catapult of my estimations of her. Aye. Anyway, who's next? 
I'll go next because it's I think I think it's sort of related to mix. Go for it. Uh, I was thinking about actors. What changed? Uh, pretty much the the trajectory of films. All right. For example, right. I'll, I'll start off with or already already mad on. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was originally cast as Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. Jesus Christ, on right? So, our Sly rocks up and his full being dead famous attitude and uh says i don't know uh, maybe we may do this and do that and do that. and so the whole thing was uh he says maybe it shouldn't be called axel foley maybe it should be called axel cobretti <laughs> no right honestly fuck this is what happened he's italian i know axel cobretti they're all white cobretti because then he have a nickname cobra and they're all right this Alright, I'll see where this is going, and then he says, and uh, this is went on, and so on, and, and then, uh, as they started to kind of develop this, they just went, all the humour is just being lost out of this film, completely, and it's not the film we wanted to make. Yeah. He so wanted to so make it a stock action film? Stock action film, and then, uh, if any of you have ever seen the film Cobra, essentially the version, because Sly essentially got, not, not fired, but said, no, we're, well, that's not the film we're going for, uh, you may have at it with with your own because I mean he's a star you can drive it drive another yeah. film and essentially create a script out of fucking thin air because he's still alone like well look uh, at his whole career like and uh, <laughs> you know post Rocky you know what I mean what him but uh, essentially the film that originally was Beverly Hills Cop became Cobra aye and the name wasn't it's not Axel Cobretti it's Gabriel Cobretti and it's Essentially, a similar enough story, uh, but it's just a big, massive, dirty action, revenge, mental shit, shite film. <laughs> I hesitated on shite, but uh, I will affirm that it's a shite film. That's absolutely. And bummer. there's a crossover, uh, the Doyle Blonde Bombshell and Cobra is the Blondie in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh. The very tall, blonde girl that's at the gun range in Beverly Hills Cop 2, Tony Scott one. And uh, I think Stallone says that was, because uh, he ended up marrying her, and he ended up saying that was one the minute. worst years of his lives. Worst years of his lives. <laughs> I have an English degree, that's, but that's, uh, that's I, just, I just said a sentence, the worst years of his lives. I don't know, see, carrying the torch from your topic, right? I don't think I'm maybe going to have the criteria, but I still think it kind of fits in a way. We're talking about Tim Burton earlier on. We're talking about like obviously mm, Johnny Depp mm. Obviously, they have made so many films with each other. They're best friends. They've got the same sort of uh, creative ideas and 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 things they want to achieve in 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 filmmaking. So, the thing for me personally, and I've always thought this, and it's never been confirmed, but I I do actually believe this is that when Tim Burton went to recreate Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is one of the most beloved. You know, children's films, family films in general, of all time Aye. masterpiece. And you, know, you could see nobody else as you know, all, as Wally Wonka, other than Gene Wilder. Stop. Aye, so we're gonna be going back to my uh, point from the very start, which is very, very tenuous. Tim Burton joined up. Obviously, he wanted to recreate *Charlie and the Chocolate Factory*. Mm-hmm. Now, saying which is your topic, films that have been kind of created for certain actors or work around certain actors. I think that Tim Burton has such a working relationship with Johnny Depp and because Charlie and the Chocolate the Chocolate Factory I'm just sorry I'm, I'm from New York all of a sudden but like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory fits his niche and has and has sort of 
the sort of style of films that he would go on to, mm-hmm. that he was always obviously going to cast Johnny Depp as, mm. you know, Wally Wonka. I, I heard Chayon Fat was a shoe in there. Uh... <laughs> no, see, I heard Jet Lee. But, like, I mean, when you when you look then at Johnny Depp as, as Wally Wonka, it's a, it's a weird one because Johnny Depp has obviously now kind of fallen under this hole of just doing quirky roles for the sake of doing quirky roles. And Willy Wonka is the ultimate example of that. In that, oh, let's just get Johnny Depp. He's quirky. Mm. He can play, you know, fucking Willy Wonka. But Aye. he doesn't really have to bring much to that role. He can just... And, it, and, and it's well to say, but he can kind of just phone it on. Whereas Gene Wilder's was nuanced and it was considered. And he kind of created Willy Wonka as being this dark character who lives in this chocolate factory and has no uh, connection with the outside world. See, I, which is what uh, Roald Dahl never really... Uh, never really expanded upon and that's why Roald Dahl apparently hated the original Charlie in the Chocolate yeah. Factory Johnny Depp just thought to himself oh well and I love Johnny Depp but he thought to himself oh Willy Wonka's quirky and it's a Tim Burton film so I'll just be quirky and basically act like a fucking knockoff Michael Jackson and just come off as more weird or than quirky and it I, just doesn't work yeah, you know what I actually still like a Tim Burton one I do I, I don't did he ever actually come out and say that he was doing Michael Jackson no but I think it's just that the comparisons are so strong yeah. I don't th- you know the worst thing is I don't think he was intended to do Michael Jackson oh, okay. I think it just came mm. off as no, kind of Michael he, Jackson you know you know way like uh, Jack Sparrow was Keith Richards like yeah. mm. like he didn't base it on Michael Jackson and even Burton's Burton's Shannon Chocolate Factory not only is weaker for death performance which I think is not great but then the whole thing about Willy Wonka in the original is the mystique the mystique and the darkness and he he don't know anything about him and why is he so coming out of this chocolate factory and why is he so fucked up in the head and Uh, exactly they give him this backstory see they give him this backstory of his dad being this you know kind of not abusive but like kind of no sweets I, well, anyway, I, can, I, I say they, they were all like they tried to build up his dark backstory, and then when it came down to it, in a sense, they fucking played out like, oh, Willy Wonka's fucked up because his dad didn't let him eat sweets as a wine. But, but, hold on, right? Just ruins the mistake. Like, well, t- t- I, I t- wouldn't t- be the man sitting before you, Shan, if I wasn't allowed to eat sweets. Like. Yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, which which is is, is it honestly, honestly, it's a constant line. If there's one thing that's continuous with all Tim Burton films, is that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be what people, what mainstream sort of heads consider odd and weird. It's constantly, you know, it's it's in every single Tim Burton film. Uh, he tries to understand the person that's just slightly odder than the others. I know, I know, but I mean, I mean uh, no, no, honestly, the mystique, I mean, that that's one way to take it, but the other thing is that... That's 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 just Tim Burton's style. Yeah, he he just he just he just goes for it that way. And like I think even Edward Scissorhands, I think he says was actually a metaphor of. I mean, it's essentially Beauty and the Beast, but he said Edward Scissorhands was a metaphor of when he was uh, a teenager and he, he didn't know how to, you know, touch or yeah. communicate with girls physically at no, all. See, that's beautifully done. Mm. But like, I th- I no, think- no. I think you may be missing the point I'm trying to say is that not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I love the fact that and, and that's why he's been lauded for it I love the fact that Tim Burton has always taken the outsider perspective and mm. he's kind of given outsiders a voice in all his films Aye. even like Ed Wood who's kind of derailed as being the worst film director of all time Aye. but then he showed him as a human being Aye. and gave him a sweetness but I'm not Aye. saying that he's he's not trying to it's a bad thing that he's trying to present no no no, 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 no,
and taking uh, away that mystique of him being an outsider actually dilutes uh, it in a way. And then, and then you can see that even more then if you go to, was, was it Dark Shadows? Yep. That's just uh, that the, mm. even the nth degree. Well, like, I mean, that film uh, didn't know what the fuck it was. Yeah. I think, I know, I mean, no, no, I, I think, right, as much as me saying uh, he definitely about about weird, it's okay to be weird, but I think another side of the exact same thing is that uh, Tim Burton definitely he celebrates oddity, and that's a great thing. He yeah. does, but I think but I think Dark Shadows celebrates oddity a wee bit too much. Yeah, it's it's Dark Shadows like, doesn't know what it is. Yeah, it's bald but its own hole. It just doesn't know what it is. Like, it's just is, like, is it a pastiche of a sexy horror show? Is it a comedy? Is it like a dark? exploration is it a horror it doesn't know it was just too but see, do you know what I have to say though I, I enjoyed how deliberately clumsy it was see be honest with you see as a wee kind of it was deliberately f- clumsy wasn't it like, it see was as a wee Sunday like, film where you just want to switch off I'd happily watch mm. it again but it's definitely not the, a good the film. one point that they lost me was when Chloe Moretz turned into a werewolf at the end I was just like I, I, I was just like Ah, fuck us. And it comes out of fucking nowhere. Like, I mean, like, it's sort of subtly hinted at during a film, but, like, it's like, why do you... But it, it's it's a, her it, hair. That is the hair of a... <laughs> uh, no, but, but, but it was, it was like, it's like a TV troupe. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not, don't put it at the end of a two-hour film. Put it at the end of a fucking TV episode. Yeah. Just just leave it out now for now. But anyway, uh, we have, I haven't actually... We've only talked about one thing, so... Uh, well, I was going to bring up... I don't know if it's... It really relates into your topic, but I found out recently that Die Hard actually started off as a sequel to Commando. What? What? Bang on! It's going to be Commando Two. It was a. Just Arnie was enough for. I wonder. Wonder if the wee the wee blue pair of togs was written under the script as well. Remember that scene in Commando where (laughs) every every other time he's all told up, but then when he's just fucking rolling across this. stream or whatever it is probably for about five months he just says we set of togs on him <laughs> i wonder if wonder if like the feet or whatever or was it like feet and blue togs in the next one or was it was I, it uh, black togs mick i don't know uh, it's it's the, the mind does wander his feet out that's what i heard for uh, uh, I, I wasn't pretty at the feet <laughs> out that like. was that was not contract like. it's, it's, uh, it's it's the one no feet it's the one today it's the one in security <laughs> has about his body his feet <laughs> <laughs> So show everything, not the feet. Show, show the arms. Show lots of the arms. Show the, show the arms all the time, but no feet. It's probably because he's got like a, a regularly small size feet. He's got like a, a, like a size one shoes on. Aye. And he's re- like, he has Aye. to get like fucking lifts on his shoes. And he has to no, stuff he, he, probably, he probably has his wee fucking size three feet vacuum molded. <laughs> and they have like fucking 11 <laughs> shoe. <laughs> Size three feet. He just baby. he just clumps about, just <laughs> stuff up a newspaper, baby. Flicking his shoes about. <laughs> yeah, my driver hungry. I drive a hungry. <laughs> so, can you do you want a bigger car? And he's like, are there bigger cars? No, I want to drive a hungry. <laughs> what size your feet down? A fucking living. A fucking living. Hey, see going on to the fucking uh, the, the, the the direct link between Commando and Die Hard. Could you imagine Arnie saying "Yippee Kay, motherfucker"? Uh, Do an impression. Yippee Kay, motherfucker. <laughs> that was more stolen. Who? You're Mickey Go. Yippee Kay, motherfucker. Oh fuck! I'm not gonna do the top bat. That's pretty <laughs> good. That's pretty fucking. That's pretty there. solid. There. I, I'm surprised myself. I, I feel like I channeled Arnie. <laughs> I really did. The spirit of Arnie just came inside you there, now. Well, there, let me let that's me give it. Let that's me why I feel dirty. Give me some G. Give, let give me, me some let me give it a go. Yippee ki motherfucker. Ah, it's passion, man. 
You became no, no. But see, the problem with Ar- the, the thing with Arnie's acting is, is is because he doesn't care if you're doing an Arnie care. impression. <laughs> you have you have to actually put it. You have to be a really good performer because you have to put into your performance that you don't care. Well, I literally didn't care about that performance or not. Yeah, and it was, and it was absolutely excellent. excellent. See, I can do like you became a motherfucker. I can do that. Y- y- you have to do it. Uh, I can aye. do that. Aye. And then what? 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 Aye. What? Are, what are I kind of do? It's, here, it's, here, it's almost as if you're looking at the director, going, "Here, here." I don't really know what I'm doing. Here, G- Gio's going to have a go. This is why I just said. You became a fucker. <laughs> uh, See, you yeah. sound more like a cholo. <laughs> you sound more like a, a, a Hispanic gangster. As fucking Benicio del Toro and fucking <laughs> Usual Suspects. Talking about fucker. What the fuck? You became a fucker. You became a fucker. What the fuck? You became a what the fuck? Give me keys, you fucking. You became a fucker. Give me keys, you man. Fuck what the fuck? Excuse me, please. Excuse me. Anyway, here, lads. I fucking flip you. I flip you for real. Okay, we went a bit off topic there. Shan went a bit too deep into the or a bit too deep into this oh. topic. Oh. Oh, very nice. Uh, very nice, very <laughs> nice, very nice. <laughs> here all week. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, uh, you have some more you'd like to delve deep into? I delve deep into? The, the whole the whole thing is, is about um, as I said, the, the whole thing is about uh, how actors themselves had I suppose completely changed the trajectory of a film. Um I mean oh, there's 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 stacks. I mean there there's a film that uh, Gene Hackman and Barbara Streisand did a, a years and years ago. I kept I think it's called All Night Long or something, but it was uh That was a porno I really want when I watched it. No, it w- I, th- I think I think that's the title of it, but but it was made to be a really small, like uh twenty million film, really, really tiny Kind of thing, but then as soon as it got strays in, it it changed a lot and on and like Hackman, Hackman was on for a certain reason, and then I think there was another actor in play, and it was going well, but I don't know. I think it's it's the same thing now where when, when guys get like fucking oh we can get this fucking great camera, which it it matters not the how fucking good you are as a fucking camera operator or how good you are with lenses or how you know what I mean. It's down to how pretty much how good you can make a film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think you know sometimes the fucking politics gets in the fucking road. But I mean, I think a really good example at at one point. I mean, I mean, perhaps it was for the right reasons. I mean, pretty much we associate Back to the Future now with with uh, Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly, and I think for the first lack of weeks, it was it was Eric. Eric Stoltz, wasn't it? He's not completely forgotten about, other than the drug dealer from Pulp Fiction. And it's, mm. it's strange as well, because you bring that up. Eric Stoltz in the 80s was kind of seen as the next big thing. And it's awful to uh, see. With like the he, was a, he was John Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of awful to see with the benefit of hindsight, but now, like his career, not this career might have been on, Jesus, I don't want to say that. He's obviously had a fucking very successful career doing his own thing, but he was kind of pop for superstardom. Mm. And it just didn't work out. I think what happened was that what happened with the Werner McFly thing is is that he was playing him quite dark. Mm. Whereas, actually, I mean, we we've talked about Back to the Future two uh, two weeks ago, and 
I actually think the subject matter is actually quite dark when you look at it, See, especially too. But at the time they were thinking about two, they were thinking about one. So and one was quite light, and one was quite you know, it was John Hughes meets fucking H.D. Wells or something. Your so, your topic obviously two weeks ago was uh, your time favorite travel. time travel film, and you were saying that your favorite time travel film was Back to the Future Two. And because mm. and I think I texted you about this, you were chatting about it so much. I hadn't watched it in years, even though it's on ATV two mm-hmm. like every week. I rewatched it. Got it out, you know, dusted off the DVD, rewatched it, and although I still think about the future original is better, it is still an excellent film, and it's it's so much darker than the first because and I mean, and it's always the cliche that. Do you agree sequel, with me though? That do you think it? I mean, I, I, I was trying. <laughs> now, do you know what I was trying to look at it from your perspective? Is that it could act as a standalone film? Hmm. I kind of agree with you, maybe three quarters, but I think especially around the start, which is, is sort of obvious, you would need to have some sort of knowledge of the original. But at the same time, if you're just thrown under the start of the second one without any background knowledge of the first, it still works as a standard. Can I, I'm not going to be honest, which I was. Yeah, and that's, and that's why you brought it up originally. I do agree with you. It's a cracking film. As I say, I don't think it's as good as the first, but I mean, it's that kind of cliche that all sequels must be darker or edgier. And mm. it definitely follows that trope. It's like the Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Of course. But uh, I mean, I mean, Eric Stoltz isn't exactly. Uh, I mean, he did Schultz he, or Stoltz? He, he, Stoltz. 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 Because I heard Stoltz and Schultz and all that nonsense. Because right. I was thinking Stoltz. it was Charles M. Schultz. But um, that's not necessarily exactly what I'm getting at, right? I mean, that that that's one example where they changed the actor. That's almost a different topic. Man. You know, like Aragorn or something, yeah. you know. But what I'm kind of actually really getting at was uh, Chris McGlover. Yeah. Uh, Chris McGlover, who played uh, George. George McFly in the first Back to the Future. Um, apparently, the, the first one did fucking so well and this kind of stuff, and they were sort of pitted for sequels and this kind of stuff and all. And uh, they came up to every single member of the cast and gave them a fucking really good deal what it would seem because most of the cast were kind of they weren't massive actors yeah. like they were just you know like Michael J. Fox it was what made him Michael J. Fox was up and coming and Christopher Lloyd was a kind of semi-known comedy actor from like Taxi mm. and stuff like that but and he it, wasn't huge aye, but he was in like you know like uh, One for a Cooker's Nest and this kind of stuff you know he, that's, he, such he, a bad, that's one of his first roles no no exactly but I mean he, he was an actor of, of, of just reliable fucking quality and this a kind of stuff repute, yeah, exactly like them two had signed on, everybody else had signed on. Actually, no, what do you call her? The female actress hadn't signed on. They changed her from film one to two. Leah Thompson. Yeah. Leah Thompson was she became Bernard McFly's girlfriend, but it was what do you call her in the first one? Oh, you're I talking about the actress who played Mar- I have no idea. But I don't know. Well, she like, changed from one to the other. They changed her. But really, I never noticed that they look identical. <laughs> Jesus, I never and, noticed that. Act- I know, but actually, the scenes of. Uh, her walking Andy shot is shot identical as well. Is that a different actress? It's a different actress. They had a, they had a reshoot yeah. that Marty's scene. girlfriend's a different actress. No, but like, like yeah. you want to talk about like, like honestly, I, th- I think it just shows how disposable that character is that you don't even remember no, what no, she no, looks no, like. No, 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 like, uh, One, maybe disposable. Uh, that's one way to look at it, but also, it's a fucking seriously, seriously fucking compliment to the camera department oh. because and casting <laughs> casting no i will casting and but also like for for it did not seem like a different shot yeah is uh the camera had to be the exact same distance 
and all that there the focus had to be bang on everything had to be measured from right to left and everything and all that there and all and that like that's a serious achievement because for years i didn't notice it at all but another thing as well is right the main thing for me is that chris mcglover right they went uh back to future 2 everybody signed up apart from chris mcglover because he had apparently just had fucking ridiculous demands with this and that and points and this kind of stuff and all this is a good thing right but uh the original story for back to future 2 was they were going to go to the vietnam war and uh marty's ma was going to be like a flower child like against like the vietnam war and all and george was going to be like they were going to be like getting involved and all out there kind of what they touched on a good bit in Forrest Gump yeah. you know so it was you know you kind of think what he didn't get the ch- a chance to do on about the future too he went for it in Forrest Gump and all and this kind of thing so and, and they couldn't do it uh, because they didn't have Chris McGlover for as much and so pretty much what's turned into this thing of Chris McGlover reappearing is footage they didn't use from the first one which he had already signed off on mm-hmm. And uh, ha- having having the actually uh, CGA Marty in here and there, and they had to go back to nineteen fifty five, and I, I absolutely love how they fix this here. Uh, is uh they're on a as well, you know uh, when Buff tells them about the almanac, mm-hmm. he says it was ba ba nineteen fifty five, the day before the fucking the 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 Hull Valley uh, dance under the sea dance and all. And then Doc's just going, it's unbelievable that they would pick that exact date. Da, 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 da. He's all, <laughs> he's, just, he's, just all, he's all, it could be some sort of cosmic thing circulating around this date. On the other hand, it could just be just a huge coincidence. They're just admitting the fact that this is I, fucking ridiculous. It's probably the most famous trope on TV tropes. It's called lumpshade hanging. It's basically when a film knows or like shows you that it's being ridiculously contrived just for, for the purpose of drama and that's the they have example to, uh, i mean like we're going back of all fucking days for him they pick in the history of time he picks the exact day that marty mcfly lands back in 1955 they do all this shit like but yeah it's but it just you know that, that, that's the thing i mean it's like if that didn't happen i would have loved to have seen the other version but it's like i watched a documentary about back to future 2 and the writer himself it was him that talked about it. The actual writer of Back to the Future. Not, not like the director. And it was he just said. He's all like, you know. And so uh, Chris McGlover comes on. He's asking Isn't all that these. Story? Yeah. And as I. Yeah, he's, he's like, Chris McGlover had all these demands and stuff. And so on and so on and so on. No, I mean Back to the Future. That's a true story. No, no, no. That's a fact. That guy. <laughs> it's uh, the writer of the biography of George McFly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, any, any, well, anyway. George. <laughs> it's just called George. <laughs> Plain George. Gonna be made on the Oscar bits and <laughs> right. But he was just saying he's the time travelers there. He says the best thing about being a writer is he's a, if anybody's being an asshole, you can just write them out of the script. He <laughs> 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 just says all so that's that's the great thing about being a writer. Somebody's being an asshole, you just write them out of the movie. <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna bring this up boom. because uh, old enough it's it's just weird you're bringing this up. It's something that and it sounds like we're fucking scripted, which we're not whatsoever, because we're a bunch of boys in London there think get fucking bothered. <laughs> yeah. I was actually reading Hang about on. Hang on, he's gone off script. <laughs> Let me find my page. Let me find my page. Uh, page turner I was reading about Back to the Future Two today. I was reading about this whole Christmas Glover thing that you're now bringing up. Glover. Right. Is it is it not Glo- uh, Glover Glover Glover? 
Jeez, I'm so bad we've, with names. We've been saying Crispin Glover for about the past ten minutes. Why am I so bad with names? Come in with Crispin Glover. Why am I so bad Par- with Apparently, he's, he's actually released another Zazzer film called Crispin Gloverfield. <laughs> Shan's Sh- directing. Shan, we're getting into winter now. You better get your gloves on. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, going on away. Like we're saying earlier on, Crispin Glover refused to do Back to the Future too. But then, like you were saying before, they use sort of stock footage or pre-recorded footage that they had from the first Back to the Future and implemented on the Back to the Future 2. And then obviously they had a stand-in for Crispin Glover where he's, you know, it's old George where he's hanging upside down when they I, first go into the house. Did they not make like a mask for, so like yeah. a Crispin Glover it was, mask? It was like a latex mask for the actor who was supposed to be portraying I must old, have been terrified. Old George. <laughs> no, 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 not for two. Not for two. Uh, two, he was just upside down. Aye. And they just got but somebody. But they still had a device. mask because it is Crispin Glover's fist, even though he's not there. It's Aye. a fucking unbelievable. But also, at the at the very end of three, like the, the main time that you'll actually see him when it's not CGA is at the end of the third one. When he walks out, he's about to take the fucking wagon out and race flee from the chili peppers. And uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> Fucking, uh, you you just see you just see Chris McGlover kind of look out and he puts his armor and <laughs> when he claw and walks away. Leah Thompson, flea slapping. That that was that was the apparently the one of the hardest parts. And they were like, they're like, like thank God for those uh, hatch doors that you have, those pointless doors in the front of American door. I think it's for wasps or something. What's strange as well was saying is that obviously Chris McGlover refused to be in Back to the Future Two, and then they used this footage him. And Back to the Future 2 was a huge success, etc, etc. But then because Crispin Glover, because, like I've said before, he was apparently an absolute fucking egotist. And I read one article where a producer says that somehow Crispin Glover was the only person on Earth who watched the first Back to the Future and assumed that he was the main character, which he's not whatsoever. But he decided not to be in two. They used his image and his likeness in the second one. And he took the studio to court. And he won, won as well, didn't he? He yeah, won, yeah, he won I... And because he won that corcus of them using not only his image, but footage that he had recorded for the first film in the second one, that the Academy and just, you know, I, I don't know if it's the filmmaking union in America, I'm not quite sure what their name is, but they rewrote their rules and tried to get it uh, for judicial review of how stock footage is used so mm. that couldn't come to bite them again, which is phenomenal. Uh, like. uh. I know that's it's just a wee thing that it, what you were saying brought up in my head in the in the second Planet of the Apes, the recent ones, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. No, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is the second oh, one. Right. And uh, but obviously James Franco was in the first one, but he makes he, he makes a slight cameo in the second As one. In a photo? Uh, no, it's uh, Caesar's watching like an old uh, camcorder, and uh, so it's it's just uh, James Franco kind of inter- like. Teaching Caesar things or something like doing like a test swim or something like that. Air. I thought that, and, uh, I found that was probably the most touching scene in the film because it harks back to the first one. Yeah, because the first and the second besides Caesar are essentially completely unconnected. No, but uh, Here, I hear, tell I hear, me something. No, but, are those Planet Apes films how successful are they? Massively, they're, they're, they're these new successful. ones, yeah, massively. I haven't seen either of them, like, but the reason they're, is, they're is because obviously, and all enough harking back to Tim Burton, who we we're talking about about twenty minutes ago, he was essentially charged with killing the Planet Lips franchise and then when they went they rebooted there a couple of years back nobody gave it any interest whatsoever and if you can call a blockbuster a sleeper hut I think it's probably the biggest sleeper hut of a blockbuster 
in the past fucking many years. But right. what I was going to say is that they actually showed a bit of that scene in the trailer for Dawn of the Planet Apes. And then James Franco, it was like on a red carpet or something, and somebody asked him about being in the next Dawn, uh, yeah. the next Planet Apes one. And he's all, am I? He's like, yeah. they, that's obviously something they shot for the first one, but then they reused it then in the second one. But obviously, as you said, like they've changed the rules now that once you've shot it for that film, then it can be used in whatever. Yeah. And the same thing, I'm sure that James Franco will be a ball bag and fucking pick up the court for using them for two seconds a film. Which he's I just thought it was funny because he, did, he didn't know he was in the film. Yeah. Okay, Sean Coyle, what's your topic? My topic tonight, Michael. Oh, wait, uh, actually, actually we'll, we'll do a wee pre-topic shot. Oh, that's right, a shotic. Right, uh, shot. mine's is poured because we've come prepared. Is anybody else's poured? Colin here and Gary uh, and Gallagher? I don't know what that is. What was that? Take it. Do you have one? Drink it. Drink it. Oh, Gary Owen, are you saying yourself out? Oh, why? Oh, you had too much. Right, here we go. The three originals then. Colm here, Michael Bresson, Shane Coyle. Bring it in the middle, son. Boom. Bang, baby. Chin, 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 Oh, it never gets better. Right, so. It always gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll dive straight in. My topic, very simple. Bullum's or a film that you have really, really anticipated, you've looked forward to it, you've seen all the promotional material, you've seen the trailers, or even if you haven't seen any promotional material but you just like the look of the film and you thought, Jesus, I'm really looking forward to that. And then when it was released, it was a piece of shit. Not necessarily a piece of shit, but just films that just... Well, no, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be a piece... It just... It, it, under, it, it didn't live up to your expectations. It was underwhelming. Well, what wanted just completely, because Michael Mann's my favourite director, Mammy Vice, just comes to mind, like... Yeah. I would even say Public Enemies, that really... that That's one of the ones that I was actually thinking when I came up with this topic. See, Public public Enemies is, is one of these things... <laughs> it was my friend, uh, Chris, who actually was on here, uh, he said... Uh, sometimes... Because he's a classical composer and he's a massive Stravinsky fan yeah. and he said some of his favourite Stravinsky pieces uh, were ones that he had to keep re-watching and re-listening to and yeah. this kind of thing and to be honest I sort of find that with Public Enemies to be yeah. honest I think Public Enemies is going to be a film that people are going to look back at and we will but the film I'm actually going to talk about is Miami Vice yeah um, one of the main because there was such a great trajectory in that film and it was so energetic and it was just, it was, it was just badass. It was cool. Um, one of the main reasons is the last act of that film. It just it just falls in its hole and it just is building and building and building because it was building about... It, the whole film is about international drug trade from Colombia yeah. and South America and all here and you know, it was kind of building into like a kind of a you know, like traffic by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, it was kind of building into a bit of that there, but it was just from the point of view of cops. But they could transcend all these, all these different avenues of it, so it could tell that story in a really lean, fucking fast, cool, slick way. Yeah. But apparently, what happened is uh, around the same time, Miami Vice was. It was actually it was actually Jamie Fox who convinced Michael Mann that this was a good idea to make Miami Vice. Michael Mann didn't want to do it. And it was Jimmy Fox that got the put the script writers together. He was a sensei producer. Not not a name, but he was a producer on it. Trying to get Miami Vice made and all and he had this great idea about how to make Miami Vice and all modernize it and make it cool. So um 
But what's frightening is that but why, why did Jamie Foxx have to dictate that to Michael Mann, who was one of that fucking head creative no, just no, behind the original uh, Miami Vice? No, I, no I, I know that. No, no, no. That, that, this is why, but he, he like, uh, I think I, Michael Mann pretty much said, no, it's behind me. I was just like, next, next, next. Let's just, let's just keep going. And it was Jamie Foxx that convinced him and he thought this was a good idea, so on. And what happened then was uh, Jimmy Fox was on Collateral and mm-hmm. Ray in the same year. Ray got nominated for Best Actor. He won so, it? Or he, well, he won it, rather. Sorry, fair play, I see. He got nominated for Supporting and he won Actor the same yeah. year. But uh, apparently, this is as the story goes, this could be wrong, this could be right. But this happened over the shoot of Miami Vice mm. and Jimmy Fox said I'm not uh, leaving the States to shoot any more films so yeah, I'm, yeah, I've heard that I'm yeah. just going to shoot in the States I'm Which not because the, the, the fucking last act of Miami Vice well, could have been fucking badass right the whole idea the whole script was South America way down get all this here fuck it South America sweeper team pure mad like fucking you know these guys are like the elite of elite cops. Way down, sweeper team through the fucking palm trees and all. Head down. Fucking storm that fortress and all. So here, big fucking brilliant fucking ending. They yeah, fucking film it was just slowly just simmering the whole Slow way. Slow burning up to the point of needing a big explosion a at big the end. A massive ending. And then there's just fucking stupid dark scene. The whole reason that it happened is apparently because Jimmy Fox is... I'm not leaving America to go to another fucking... And you know what the ironic thing is? Is that bleeds straight into your topic tonight. Actors who altered films. Aye. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's fucking absolutely phenomenal. Mickey, a film that you really look forward to that was shit or underwhelming or just didn't live up to your expectations? Gangster Squad. Really? See, you know what? I see? really. And yeah, it was going to be shit Okay. Like, guys, no, I was really hyped up about it. You know, it's a great uh, cast. It was a great director. No, but the the production stills, the the look of it, it just it just it looked too good. And I was just like, any film that looks too good, unless you're Brian De Palma, is probably going to be shit. I was excited about the film. You know, it was a great cast. You know, I was I liked the director. He, the director of Zombieland. And I was just excited for the film. I thought the Ruben Fleischer was, is it? Ruben Fleischer, yeah. yes, exactly. And you know, you have Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Sean Penn, fucking Brolin. Jesus, uh, what do you call him again? Hey. Phoebe's brother. Jeff on Rabisi. Oh, He's about having those stuff, but ah, say fuck. I think. No, he's he's a good actor, but he's just in bad films. Yeah, I think he just such as Gangster Squad. Like, no, he's, he's in a lot of good films, but it, but uh, nobody ever sees him. I know, no, he's a fucking easy. He's, he's, he's one I, of the best. Like I know, I do think he's a really good actor. Honestly, like honestly, he actually he's one of the only actors that constantly picks fucking good material. Yep. And no fairness, in Gangster Squad, which is a film you're hitting on, I think he actually acts as the heart of Gangster Squad right. because it's Aye, spo- right spoilers. It's his death that unifies the rest of the Gangster Squad, they really go against Mickey Cohen. And mm. I'm saying that too, for the shit films that you've loved, I can't believe you're hit. Gangster Squad is so on the nose, and it's so blasé. Maybe it's because I love Fall Noir, and I love that kind of s- sort of style, and it's sentimental as fuck, but as a guilty pleasure, I can't like Gangster Squad. Nah, I don't like it. thought it was boring as fuck. thought Sean Penn was just fucking... 
Ah, he was just fucking ridiculous. He was, like he that. was gurning like. But like, I like that. He's. I'm mean, like, it's supposed to be an over the top look at fucking film noir in the gangster era. No. Did you? Th- but did you expect it to be like an actual recreation or like a crime recreation of the 30s and 40s LA? See, I always imagine it to be a sort of comic book. Over I know. The top. I, well, you you said this to me before. You you seen it as more of a kind of comic booky look at it kind of thing, but I don't know. It's just. Maybe that's what he was going for or whatever, but for me, it's just, it was too over the top, and yeah. it was just, it just didn't work. And from, I mean, like, from what the traders uh, put it forward as, as we talked about before, traders misrepresenting films and stuff, it's just not what I was looking for, and I just, I didn't like the film. Anyway, Gangster Squad's shite, so don't watch it. <laughs> um, So we'll move on to recommendations. Anti-recommendation, Gangster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first this Check week. Uh, my recommendation is Pride, a British film just released last year. I can't remember the name of the director. It's like Richard Warwick or I something. I think you say I can't mind the name of the film. It's Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what it is, it is the uh, it's about the gay pride movement in the nineteen eighties in London. It's a true story. It's about how the uh, obviously the gays and lesbians of London in the 1980s then supported the minor strike, which was ongoing at the same time because they seen the same sort of uh, abuse and they seen the same sort of uh, prejudice that uh, they were receiving in the minors. It's about this uh, kind of small group of gay and lesbian people from London driving up to this really sleepy Welsh mining town and integrate themselves with that community and it's sort of based on a true story it is a wee bit cotton candy sometimes it gets a wee bit sentimental but then when you find out that this shit actually happened and it might not have happened as conveniently as what it actually did but it's just such an uplifting film and I actually seen one review that said that it's very uplifting and very sentimental but also packs a punch in like kind of modern history without kind of losing track of either of those kind of plot points it's a crack and shoot, and it's got a phenomenal cast. It's got Bill mm. Nye, Dominic West, Andrew Scott, who is a Moriarty in uh, Sherlock. Uh, it's also got Imelda Staunton. <laughs> oh, Sherlock! But it's 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 also it's also got Imelda Staunton, who's that really bad bastard teacher in Harry Potter, which I don't even know her name. But it's a crack and film, and then especially in its most basic level, it's just talking about acceptance and how gay and lesbian people and people who are maybe. Uh, prejudiced in society are also people too and I think in the modern eyes especially when gay and lesbian people and people who are of a kind of ostracized group are maybe being a wee bit more accepted it, it might be therapeutic in that regard because you know no person should be ever looked down in that way yeah the, the key thing there when you were talking about that is it all ended in people we're all people we're all, we're people, all people exactly Go fuck yourself. And I think that's the main message of Pride, you know, just to kind of tack on that too. The main message of Pride is solidarity. And the whole thing that they try and get across is that you could be a working class minor in Wales or you could be a gay man or a gay woman in London, completely different cultures. But when you actually meet each other, and yeah, fair enough, they they, uh, identify the fact that there's a a wee bit of a meeting ground there. We're all just people. And we're all just trying to live our own way. Don't be prejudiced. Don't be a fucking dickhead and just accept everybody. Because if you're homophobic or a racist, you can fuck off and don't listen to this podcast. Exactly. Uh, my recommendation is Prisoners. Oh, that's such a good film. 
Yeah, and it's it's actually a bit of a weird one for me because uh, when I I seen it in the cinema when it first came out, but I I actually wasn't up for seeing it. It was actually Jill that really wanted to see it. Yeah, and uh, she, she she always says like. Basically, anytime we go to the cinema, it's essentially me wanting to go see the film, and she just goes see it because she's <laughs> she's a lovely girl and she likes me. And <laughs> it seems but, to be the sort of the girlfriend setup. Like, I, I put on films every night for for my girlfriend, and she really doesn't want to watch them, but she's that nice that she does. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, she's But uh, she 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 wanted to go see this film, so I couldn't I couldn't turn around and be like, "No, nah, I'm not well and that myself." And she she's like. I see every fucking film you want to go see. <laughs> so we went to go see the film, and it's it's a tremendous film. Fucking Sweet. Hugh Jackman just being a fucking psychopath, <laughs> and Paul Dano just being a creep as he is. <laughs> and then let's not forget one of my very favorite, Jake G. Jake G. putting on an arm, masterful performance. See, I I think his character in that film is well one of the most interesting characters, and they don't delve enough into his character. But, like I was saying earlier on about, well, not to compare Willy Wonka to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not to compare Willy Wonka to Jakey G's character in that film, but it's a very simple fact of mystique. The yeah. reason that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is so interesting in Prisoners is that you never find out anything about exactly. him. Exactly. I mean, you like, know that he's a wee bit off-kilter. You know he's a bit unhinged, yeah, but you never understand why. He's, he's like this intense kind of detective, yeah. and he has these tattoos and stuff, but... You, you you don't know anything about him, and that, that's that's the brilliance of that. Character. That makes him so much more interesting than hours of subplot or hours of yeah. backstory could ever give you. But no, it's a really fucking good film, and it's great performances from everybody in the cast, and and the director. I can't even mind the director. Dennis name. Villeneuve is that who it is? And I think he's about to release Sicario. Was it? Yeah, it's Sicario. He did, and he did Enemy with Jakey G, which is also quite a good film. Very and strange. There's very another good. one as well. He did. I can't even mind. Anyway, doesn't matter. Prisoners, an incredible film. And if you just want to see Hugh Jackman, just be a fucking psychopath. <laughs> Bang, Heron, wake up. Your recommendation? Recommendation, let's see. Fucking hell. Uh, recommendation is uh, do the right thing with Spike Lee. Yes. Watched that there recently, the other day. And uh, it's, it's a really odd uh, opening sequence because... Essentially, the person acting in the opening sequence is Spike Lee's, uh, as the character he plays, his girlfriend, yeah. just dancing, dancing really well, really sexy, dead cool. Sexy. On a stage role, but I do wonder if, if the only reason he did that is because he was going there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's like it, it fucking has nothing to say for the yeah. film whatsoever. self gratification. He constantly puts on, puts on mm. the first five minutes of you know? <laughs> 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 Schlicks on a hat board in the fucking hands of Are we trying to dance on this one, Spike? No, 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 it's fine. Uh, okay. Own, uh, own personal wank bang just then. But anyway. uh, I know, fucking very good film. It's, it's, it's one of the best it's kind of. Basically, uh, really good. They had a lot of fucking... Uh, a lot of things they make it look really filmic, but at the heart of it is just, is just a very simple character story about yeah. an Italian opening up a pizza joint in Harlem. Every uh, African American uh, centre neighbourhood, and uh, like we're saying there now, it, it, it's all about like kind of racial conflict. <laughs> and I think we talked about do the right thing, and I mean it was fucking weeks. I mean, like it might yeah. be when we started this podcast, but 
how Spike Lee, who's kind of fallen off form in recent years, but how... Uh, no real fucking fun though, man. He, yeah. he's, he's easily... He fucking... He's a great it's, voice. It's, it's fucking depressed because... I did a he, Kickstarter he, he there. Is, he's, he did a Kickstarter for a dark. I don't think he got the money he, he was looking for, but... No, I don't think he did. He fucking... Spike Lee is, is the fucking... He's... he's uh, next to Scorsese he's probably the, the best loving fucking director going well, I wouldn't go that far like, but I mean I think he's, honestly he's, fuck he's, man he's a, like he's a, he's visually very... and fucking whatever he's 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 easily one of the fucking smartest anyway like he's 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 serious enough like it's a man like he's 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 obviously he's a very true voice in cinema but I think that and it's what they say and it should never bleed on this but I think his own uh, his own personal opinions have kind of handled his career a wee bit and what I was going to say about uh, do the right thing as well is that it's depressing it is, though because they they shouldn't have I mean no, well, I what what he has outside of it I, I know he gets very public but and it was actually Mickey's topic last week I mean should bottom line is the man's a the fucking art. great director like yeah he is bottom line is the, the man the man is when he's done his A game he's untouchable and hopefully he makes more great films okay and we'll wrap it up there folks thank you so much for listening if you like get in contact with us suggest your own topics or if you want to weigh in on some of our topics what films were you looking forward to that you were disappointed in you can find us on facebook let's talk more movies podcast you can find us on twitter at talk more movies or you can email us let's talk more movies at gmail.com you can also comment and rate us on itunes stitcher and also on acast where you can get interactive show notes and links best place to listen to us Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Sean has been Sean Cole. Hey, yay! Calm Heron's been Calm Heron. Oh, shit. Gary Gallagher has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> we are on episode... 23, baby! Goodbye. I think Jews collapsed in the bathroom. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.